Welcome to the 91st episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and a man who has an innate ability to relate to a vast variety of objects, people, and things, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? I'm uh, doing okay. I'm doing okay. That's good. Doing okay. Yes. I mean, I guess it's okay, dude, but, um, you know, you know, that's, uh, that's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz, baby. Simon? Yes? You know who else says hello there? Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi? He does, but also Cameron Monaghan posted on Twitter, Simon Eady, that, um, let me explain this. So Cameron Monaghan's lightsaber, uh, since, so, oh my goodness, let me take a step back, wow. okay? I, I'm going to take one, wow. two steps back real quick. So Cameron Monaghan. Maybe take three. Just take a few steps. I'll take like a even few. More than, maybe, maybe more than three, four, maybe five. I'll, I'll take 19 steps back. Okay. Anyways, so I took that many steps back. Hello there. Welcome to the 91st episode of, <gasps> oh, oh, sorry. Wow, that's crazy. Because it's 19 steps? Yeah. So. So many steps. Anyways, so Cameron Monaghan. You know him. I know him. He plays uh, the Joker. He plays Cal Kestis. Yeah, I guess he plays the Joker in Gotham. Who cares? Um, That just sucks. He literally. Okay, I'm going to spoil some of Gotham, but but who cares? Because that show's not good, and 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 I don't like it. Um, So they. Yeah. So so in other words, if you don't want to have Gotham spoiled for you uh, in like the mid season, one of the uh, how many seasons were there? Six, five. So in like season three. Skip ahead two minutes. Okay. So Continue. Cameron Monaghan, he plays the Joker or, or or a character that's supposed to be the Joker in Gotham, right? And this character has a bunch of character development throughout, you know, the first, I think, couple seasons or three seasons, whatever. I don't watch all of it, mind you. Anyway, so he's so much character development. You're like, wow, this guy's you're, – you're watching this guy slowly go crazy and become the Joker. How cool. But in reality, he's not the Joker because they kill off that character, all right, Simon? They kill off that character. And then Cameron Monaghan – plays that character's twin brother that gets a little bit of crazy juice on his face and then becomes the Joker. It's ridiculous. So instead of using the character... Did we get too far? Maybe we shouldn't have spoiled that. I feel like we shouldn't have spoiled who that. Who cares? No one should watch that show. Let me tell you right now, nobody should be watching that show right now. It's one of the worst parts of that about that show. And I feel like, though, they did advertise that pretty heavily, like Fox yeah. did in their commercials. There's that, something... You know this guy's... Yeah gone and then they kind of bring it back yeah i think that yeah they literally have like trailers about that yeah actually you know what i just realized something i don't think i ever actually watched up to that point i think it just got that spoiled for me yeah dude i'm in the same boat because of the trailers i definitely didn't watch up to that point oh okay yeah and they're like yeah this is the crazy juice i didn't go searching for that spoiler yeah yeah dude they showed it they they released trailers there's something about those like cw shows and i guess in this case this fox you know dc show where they're just like hey Oh, like tune in next episode because this is exactly what's going to happen. This this shit's going to be crazy. There's so many crazy stuff that's going to happen. So when you watch it, there's absolutely no surprises. Yeah. And that's kind of the issue with those sort of shows. Anyways. But anyway, I digress. So Cameron Monaghan, he plays Cal Kestis in uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which is a, 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 a game, a video game. 
Simon Eady. You know this. I know this. Ken, I'm sorry for talking about video games. And um, recently at Disney World, I believe, or Disney Parks or whatever the difference is, I don't know, um, his lightsaber from the game is like you can buy it there now. Galaxy's Edge. At Galaxy's Edge. Edge. Which is that Galaxy's specialized Edge. part of the park. Mm-hmm. So so you can get it there, right? Yeah. But, yeah, that's a little interesting. But what really makes this interesting, Simonini, is that he retweeted the Disney Parks tweet. You know what I mean? But you know what he puts down? What he posted there, Simon? In the tweet? Oh, there goes my bell. Yeah, in that tweet. He said. Uh, I do not. I do. I do, but you should tell me. Hello there, period, he says. Oh. Hello there, Simon. Why, oh, why would this man post hello there? I, know, I understand that it's a Star Wars reference, but everyone's losing their goddamn collective minds over this Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer that released recently. Obi-Wan Kenobi, that series is coming out. Cal Kestis is alive. That character, presumably, is alive during this, this time. Hmm. And you mentioned this, like, could he come in to the live action universe? You know, he like the actor looks the same as the character. They, they just modeled the, the face after him and everything. Well, it's mocap, motion capture. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I, initially I was like, ah, I don't know, because we don't really know what might happen to him. Maybe like in the games, he might die, blah, 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 blah. We don't know because they're, they're coming out with a sequel, so on and so forth. But now I'm I'm almost like, ooh, maybe he is in it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Along with Mace Windu or? Yeah, Mace Windu, who fell out the window, yeah. It would be cool to have either mm-hmm. of them in it. Be- also because th- my biggest hint, I feel like, towards this, sure, that, that tweet is something, but I feel like because of the BD droid in Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. which is only introduced, like was first introduced and really most substantially in Jedi Fallen Order, the video game, with Cam- Cameron Monaghan. So that's mm-hmm. that's a huge thing, I feel like, having the BD droid in Book of Boba, having a, not a, crazy role but it's definitely there and um what's her name mentions that it is a bd droid just to you know erase any notion that it it's just a, a new type of droid that mm-hmm. we hadn't seen before but if you had yeah. played the game what's her name sorry the mechanic uh princess caroline I, yeah. <laughs> right yeah the actress uh escapes her, her name escapes me but she plays princess caroline in the bojack horseman. show bojack horseman are you gonna? Are you looking this up? I feel like you're, I'm just doing all the legwork here. Oh, I'm looking it up. As usual. I'm looking mm, it up. I don't think you were. Now I think mm. you are. Her name is Amy Sedaris. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to say because I looked it up that entire time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure. I just, yeah, I'm sure you did. But what's her name in the Book of Boba Fett? Oh, um, you know, you I'm know? I'm also looking that up. I, I've been in the process of looking that up this entire time. I feel like you also haven't been doing that, but okay. Looking it up. Filmography. Mm. 2021. Mm. Or is it 2022? Pelle Oh. Pele. I feel like I remember the Mandalorian saying that at some point. I don't know. In the series. But uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Anyways, yeah. So that's interesting. BD in it. Interesting. And uh, I'm very excited about this Kenobi show, but it's still far, far ways out. So we've got some, got some time to wait. Yeah. Uh, before that comes out, though, Adrian, actually, I'm not even sure when it comes out, but Miss Marvel comes out. Oh. Miss Marvel I, comes out? No, I thought that? you were going to say Moon Knight. Oh, Moon that- Knight comes out on March 30th. Yeah, that's very exciting. The first episode, though, of course, mm-hmm. is going to be drip that to us all six episodes of the Oscar Isaac starring Moon Knight series. That's cool. When's Miss Marvel coming out? Do you remember? Is it June? April? 
It's June. So it's actually after Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever. Anyway, I was going to make a segue to, to Disney plus from, from, from this Disney plus show to another one, but regardless, let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here. Shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Longtime collaborator Kenneth Saddlebar wrote into us and he said, Dudes, I agree with Adrian about losing Miss Marvel's stretchy powers. Thank you. For much of the contemporary audience, the only exposure to Marvel characters is what we've seen in the MCU, cartoons and video games. Most would know nothing about Marvel's first superhero team and would wonder why Reed Richards is copying Kamala Khan's powers. I'm hoping the bracelets do operate in a similar fashion to the Rings of the Green Lantern Corp. Their powers are based on the user's will. Having an optimistic character like Miss Marvel using them would be cool. And because of her youth and inexperience, she wouldn't have Hal Jordan's godlike powers. If there was a connection between Miss Marvel's bracelets and the Ten Rings, it would be interesting as well. When Captain Marvel used wristbands prior to Carol Danvers, they allowed Rick Jones to turn into Captain Marvel. Later, we found that the bands sent whichever one of them that wasn't on Earth to the negative zone an antimatter universe. Mm. Introducing the negative zone to the MCU would allow for new characters and conflicts, including a major Fantastic Four villain, Annihilus. Oh. The tone of Miss Marvel appears light and looks like teens' kids are the target audience. Good. Let them have heroes to identify with, too. A email signed by Kenneth, and he has an added quote here, and it says, Who am I? It seems like an easy question and then i realized maybe what i said to these cops wasn't a joke maybe the name belongs to whoever has the courage to fight and so i tell them i tell them who i am a quote written by author g willow wilson who wrote the comic miss marvel volume one no normal Ooh. adrian mm-hmm. we talked about miss marvel last week we talked about the trailer yeah. how i wasn't super impressed with it i was kind of down on it yeah because you're racist yeah i know not racism had nothing to do with it I explained that I really liked Miss Marvel in the video game that nobody mm-hmm. likes, really, that, that Square Enix video game. And the story that she brought to the table was the best part about that video game in general because her character is really cool. And I like the stretchy powers because it represents her character very well in my eyes. Mm-hmm. With what he's said here, Kenneth said, um, the one thing I wanted to draw attention to, I think, is he's saying that no one would know who Reed Richards is. And I just don't believe that that's true. And I know you might think mm-hmm. that the MCU is the mainstream idea. There's been like three movies for the Fantastic Four. Nobody knows is a little bit rough for the Fantastic Four. I mean, the Fantastic Four are mm-hmm. pretty well known uh, more than Annihilus or yeah. actually Green Lantern, honestly, who's had one bad movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I um, I kind of see where Ken's coming from, though, because like, think about it. The MCU started in uh, 2008. Right. We did have the fan fantastic or whatever that came out during that time, but I, it wasn't popular. It was like critically panned. Right. So even if, you know, someone was born when the MCU started, they're like 14 now, dude, which is kind of wild to think about. So if they're really, you know, they're not into the comic side of things, uh, they're really just into the MCU universe and only, you know, play the, some of the Marvel games like Spider-Man or whatever. I can, kind of see where that's coming from obviously i know who reed richards is um and obviously you do and ken does the argument is so silly if they were born in 2008 well i'm just saying that as an example like the the mcu is like 14 years old now so like you know maybe uh, someone was growing up around that time like we we were it's hard to really judge in that sort of like aspect 
because you know we were alive when those original like Fantastic Four movies came out in the early two thousands, and so but we're probably fifty percent, maybe sixty, seventy percent of the audience. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I like the, the only thing I would disagree with is the most um, portion of Ken's statement. Like most would know nothing about Marvel's first superhero team. I, I don't think most of them would. I think some people might not, and I think some people would be like, "Hey, what the hell." Uh, this this Reed Richards guy that's copying Kamala Khan's powers. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there are people that kind of live under a rock. So I tend to agree with Ken on that aspect, honestly. I can see where he's coming from. I know. I'm arguing with the most. I know that no, not everybody knows about everything. Mm-hmm. That, that I, I think we agree on. I just don't yeah. think that – I feel like most would know about the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Some would not. But I think some would not know about – I don't know. What's a good example? Hmm. I don't want to spoil anything. There's something that happened uh, in the Hawkeye show oh. that I really didn't like. And uh, I talked about that on the Hawkeye A Closer Look episode, our spoiler cast. And uh, most uh, is is not the right word, but I would say some would not have watched a, sh- a different show that relates directly to Hawkeye. I'm not going to mention what that show is, but it's a required reading for that course, arguably. It's Gotham. It's yeah, Gotham. yeah, it's Gotham. That's the only show we're allowed to spoil. Yeah. By the way, we can spoil Gotham on this uh, on this on this podcast because we don't spoil things normally. I feel like we had a bad start. For any audience members coming into Split Focus of Film and TV podcast, TV podcast for the first time ever, they might be listening to this and thinking, "Wow, these guys are just starting this podcast off by spoiling Gotham." What dicks they are. You know what I'm saying, Adrian? I was I was literally in the process of watching Fox's hit show Gotham. They might be. In 2022. Yeah, they might be. Why? But why? I don't know. <laughs> but that's our responsibility is to not spoil things. So I feel like we we broke that rule for a brief moment, and I don't think we should ever do that again. That's All the... right, we'll never do that again. Remember when <laughs> Fish Mooney knocked off the building in season one? Fish. I don't even remember that, no. That's, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Jada Pinkett Smith, who had the entanglement with August. Is that Sorry, is the entanglement with August related to Gotham? Like no, that's just like that's just that uh, like that interview that she did with Will Smith, and she's like, "And I had an entang." When she's like, essentially just admitting that she had an affair, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember <sighs> that. But you're kind yeah, of mixing your your whole story here. You're talking about Gotham, mm-hmm. then you're talking about entanglements, you know, and how it's directly entangled into Hawkeye, and how it was Fish Mooney that appeared in that show. Yeah, it's actually yeah. Fish Mooney now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we're just mm-hmm. really mixing all the all the universes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, at the end, Cameron Monaghan dies again, and Fish Mooney becomes the Joker. It's fucking nuts. This show gets crazy. Honestly, everyone should watch it, actually. That doesn't actually happen. But imagine if it did. Yeah. It's not totally outlandish. You know what I mean? No. Actually, no, because nothing in that show was outlandish. I feel like they just did the unexpected because I think they had too many episodes to cover. Again, it started pretty well, and they had some pretty good performances. That was my favorite thing about that show. Mm -hmm. Some pretty good performances from their their main cast. But they did some... Some of the characters made some idiotic choices. Uh, some of them, some of the plot lines just make no sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, not great. Not great overall. But good feel of the city of Gotham. That's the benefit of it. Now we're advertising the show we already kind of spoiled. So mm-hmm. look at us. We're so great. We are great. Anyways, Adrian, my point here was with Ken, I think that people should know what Fantastic Four is. I feel like that, I don't, I don't think that that's, I think most people would know. And yeah. some would not. That's that was basic my basic argument. Other than that, 
maybe it was too harsh last week about the you know Kamala Khan's debut as Miss Marvel. I I don't want it to seem like I was you know I'm hating on it. I'm probably going to watch it anyway. Like I've watched mm-hmm. all of the Disney shows. It's not like I wasn't going to plan on watching it. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm always expecting more from Disney. I want them to exceed my expectations. And I wasn't super impressed with the trailer. I found it felt that it was a bit cheap. It felt like mm-hmm. the some of the smoke effects, some of the, the the CGI, some of the like the even just the, the production design in terms of the costumes, like the the bracelet just seemed quite cheap. And that was my argument. Will it be good? We don't know. It's a trailer. Trailer trailers can completely go one way or the other. The Suicide Squad, it's a great movie. Suicide Squad, the uh, the first in that series was awful, but the trailer was absolutely incredible. Legitimately, maybe one of the best trailers I've ever seen using Bohemian Rhapsody in such a great way. But then when I yeah. watched that movie, it's arguably still one of my least favorite movies ever. So, my point is, trailers don't tell the story, but I just feel like they could give a bit more in a, I mean, they have lots of time, but in a second trailer, I hope they kind of give out a little bit more as to mm-hmm. where they're going to go with this. Cause I feel like they, we have no idea what they're even going to do for villains. And I just really don't, I hope most of all that the villains will not fall flat. That would be the thing I would say. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I hope so too, Simon. I hope so too. And, and lastly, he says the tone of Miss Marvel appears light and looks like it's, um, like teens and kids or the target audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that, but I think that Marvel movies are for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I do too. I think what the MCU has, I want to say consistently done well, more often than not, let's say most of the time, Simon, I, I feel like the MCU movies are kind of like for everyone. I, I think, you know, when you kind of look at it, I don't think they're for like super young audiences. Like when you kind of think about like Iron Man, like even that first Iron Man movie, like like Robert Downey Jr. is being waterboarded, you know, like so if like a kid's watching that, it's like, ah, oh, what the fuck's happening here? You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, so, so there are things like that. Yeah, but, especially um, the one year olds watching that movie in 2008. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah. And now now they're um, now they're uh, waterboarding their own people. You know what? But those kids—they grew up to waterboard their own people. The fourteen-year-olds are now water waterboarding their own people, like their own family. What do you mean, own people? Fourteen-year-olds, their own, like like their own people being other fourteen-year-olds. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. no, I don't think so. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the only thing they took out of that movie. They didn't take any mm-hmm. of the heroism or anything like that. They just took the waterboarding aspect. They actually stopped mm-hmm. it after that scene. They're like, oh, well, that's all I needed to see. Yeah. Father, come here. Father, father, please grab the towel <laughs> and a bucket. Anyway, Adrian, I uh, I hope this is for everybody. Is what I would say, and I agree that like it's nice to have you know you know something for maybe younger kids to identify with. I can get that, like the heroes to identify with. Um, that's cool, but I I do think that it should be for everybody, and like I feel like um, and you especially like uh, movies that are coming of the coming of age stories. Coming so of the like age, yeah. Coming of the age stories. Mm-hmm. So I hope that uh, you know it's it's for everybody. Adrian, what um what have you been watching this week? Uh, what have you been watching this week overall? Honestly, Simon, I haven't watched much at all. Actually, like very little. And uh, I wanted to watch Coda this week, but um, I was going to watch it with my girlfriend. But then we um like we just ate like dinner, and then we were lying on the couch, and then all of a sudden we fell asleep, and then it was like two a.m. and I was like, oh shit. 
we didn't watch that movie. Um, so, <laughs> so unfortunately, I, I have not watched anything really except for. Are you ready for this, Simon? Yeah, I'm ready. Three episodes of the Oscars. No, the you have you've the, watched the Oscars because this is Monday after the Oscars, so technically you've watched it. What? You've also I mean, watched the Oscars. Yeah, definitely, definitely you watched the Oscars. You said except for, so I'm just making sure you understand yeah, that you watch. Oh, I've definitely watched the Oscars. We're definitely not recording this prior to the Oscars, and then going to record a, like a like a little add on once after the Oscars air, right? That's not I, what we're doing. No, we'll, we'll time travel if we have. It's to. after the Oscars right now. Yeah, exactly. This is all okay, after cool. the Oscars. Okay, even cool, though there's no know. time possible to record this after the Oscars. Okay. It is. This is all after the Oscars. The Oscars this are amazing. After- Anyways, what did you watch other than the Oscars? You got to be careful with the Oscars were amazing part, just in case like someone gets like shot. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh man, yeah, yeah. the Oscars so- were frightening. <laughs> the Oscars were a, a mixed bag of emotions. Yeah, hundred percent, a completely mixed bag. I'm yeah. not going to say which kinds of emotions that I experienced, but many. I, I experienced some of them. Yeah, not most. Maybe <laughs> even some. boredom. Maybe even <laughs> boredom. Not even sure. <laughs> I I only experienced some of the emotions. The jury's still out about which emotions I experience but wait for the news story one when we get to news story one when i'll tell you i can't wait to express all the emotions that i experienced <laughs> anyways um so the the one thing i actually watched this week simon Eady, and it wasn't all of it it was only the first three episodes okay and i'll tell you why i decided to watch this series you, are you ready i'm gonna tell you, you even say three, what, it, what it is yet two one, I watched the first three episodes of The Legend of Vox Machina, which oh, is the yeah. Amazon original um, animated TV series based upon a, uh, a a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Critical Role that ha- like, you know, has a bunch of um, famous actors, voice actors on there, um, including, you know, probably the most no- notable, um, at least for me, is Ashley Johnson, who plays Ellie in... Uh, the Last of Us. She also has like some live action roles as well. I think in like the show Blind Spotting and stuff like that. Uh, Laura Bailey is also in it, um, who I absolutely adore. She's uh, she plays Abby in The Last of Us Part Two, plus a bunch of other video games. Matt Mercer, so on and so forth. But long story short, uh, the Legend of Vox Machina is just an animated, I guess, retelling of their Critical Role campaign that they their their first, I guess, uh, uh, story, their first series. I think they're on their third campaign of critical role but this is based upon the first one and so far it's freaking fantastic i mean again like i said the voice talent attached is top tier it's incredibly great and again i believe all the characters are playing who they played when like like who they played in the critical role campaign or at least most of them are and then obviously they added on a bunch of additional you know voice actors and actresses um, including um, like Stephanie Beatrice as an example who I know her uh, best from Brooklyn Nine-Nine Carrie Payton's also in it who plays like King Ezekiel and uh, The Walking Dead so on and so forth but um, I believe there's 12 episodes out for the show. I think it was being released in like three episode chunks. And uh, again, I watched the first three episodes and I really freaking like it. It's it's really good. And honestly, the main reason I decided to watch the show, Simon, is because uh, a bunch of my um, co-workers that I work with, um, as you do with co-workers, Simon, um, decided to do a uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign. So... 
we got together on, I think, last Sunday, I want to say. Um, and, uh, you know, we just did like a little character creating session, planning out like what we're going to do for Dungeons and Dragons. And the uh, the Dungeon Master uh, recommended The Legend of Vox Machina, which, again, we've talked about it on the show, but he, he said how great it was. Um, so, again, I watched those first three episodes. It's incredibly like compelling. The stories that it sets up it, are, are really neat the characters uh you're kind of thrust into this world about this like you know group of mercenaries everyone has their own like quirks uh they're all you know there's like this big barbarian brute that is just like really dumb and just wants to like smash and kill things there's like a you know a a a twin brother and a sister i think they're twins at least um that are like you know elves that are kind of trying to i don't know like kill a dragon or some shit uh, and just like a bunch of little like you know characters and this this hodgepodge group of mercenaries that get hired by this kingdom to um take out a dragon uh, long story short and uh, that's really what the first two episodes are about and then each episode i guess is like not necessarily its own contained story it's 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 directly following what happened before it but it's uh, very character focused and character driven um, and again, they just keep on setting up new and interesting mysteries throughout these first three episodes. That I'm very excited to see kind of um, revealed uh, as the show progresses. And um, again, I really like this animation style. It looks really awesome. It's very like bloody and gory and R-rated, which I'm a big fan of. Um, I think Amazon's really just uh, doing a great job with these very adult animated shows with you know invincible um the boys diabolical and none of this um and yeah I'm re- i really like it and i think honestly this this might actually be something that you would really like too because i know you're f- kind of a fan of like tabletop role playing um it is a little bit more you know like generic dungeons and dragons like elves orcs and all that sort of stuff but uh, i think the storytelling is really great you're also a fan of a lot of these like uh actors um that are playing these characters so uh it, this is actually a show i recommend to you simon wow yeah I see. Yeah, but uh, it's really good. I'm, I'm excited to keep on watching it. The episodes are fairly short. You know, they're 20 to 30 minutes long and all of that sort of stuff. And then also, actually, I totally forgot. I also watched another Amazon um, adult animated show called The Boys Diabolical. I didn't watch all of it. I watched the first, I think, three episodes. And this is an anthology series uh, based, I think, in the universe of The Boys. I don't know if they're all canon or not, um, but they're like shorter episodes. You know, they're like anywhere from like eight to I want to say like 15 minutes. I think the first like few episodes, I think the first episode is like 10, 11 minutes. The second episode is like 12, 13 minutes. And what's really cool about this is that each episode is uh, a different animation style, um, which is like super neat. The first one is like that old school. um, I want to say like Looney Tunes, like cartoon style. It's like a silent, um, like no one actually talks. It's just everyone's like expressions and like grunting and stuff like that. And this baby going on the loose. It's it's the one that they kind of uh, showed um, with the trailer where that baby just like kills a bunch of people with its laser eyes. You, You remember that one from the trailer? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of the first episode. Then I think the second episode, if I recall, it's cut. It's literally in the uh, animation style of Rick and Morty. And like Justin Roiland was the writer for that one, along with someone else. I can't recall. Um, And he voices some of the characters. And it's pretty neat um, as well. Like it's it seems like it could maybe exist in the boys universe, but I think it's a little bit uh, more over the top um, than the boys is. And I, I don't believe they're all canon. Um, at least, yeah, I, I don't think so, but another like pretty neat, um, watch too, but yeah, that's, that's really all I watched this week. Simon. Cool. 
Other than the Oscars, of course. Other than the Oscars, which we've already watched. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, cool. That's great. Yeah. What did you watch? Um, I watched a few things. Like I've been catching up. I started Daredevil season three because it's obviously on Disney Plus now, which is exciting. And so I, uh, yeah, I, I, I still commit to the concept that I feel like Dis- uh, Disney. I feel like Daredevil season three and one are the best of the Daredevil seasons. I think. Um, I'm on episode four, I think, on that one. And I'm watching Severance still on Apple TV Plus, the show about uh, people who sever their mind between uh, work and life so that when they go into work, they don't remember anything about their life. And when they go, you know, go back to go back home, they don't remember anything about their work, mm. which is just uh, pretty awesome. I, I just love this show. I'm on episode seven now. There's uh, currently, I think, eight episodes released already. Uh, so it's not or- done yet, right? There's 10 in total. It's not done yet, okay. no. Okay. But uh, man, is it a good show. Uh, a lot of the episodes are, are directed by Ben Stiller. It's uh, a show written by Dan Erickson. It's just quite good. It's, I can't believe how good it is. I, I feel like, I don't know. I, it's one of the better Apple TV Plus shows. I feel like Apple TV Plus has got a lot of good shows coming out lately. With After Party, we love Ted Lasso. And mm-hmm. um, they're, they're kind of hitting the marks I, think, marks, I think, also with critics. Which is great. Obviously, Coda came out. It's Oscar nominated. Very good. And uh, yeah, it's kind of exciting in that aspect um, for that for that show. But it's just such a cool concept. The music's so good. The the overall aesthetic, the production design, the costumes, really good. I'm again, I, I love Severance. It's probably my favorite show that's uh, come out in terms of like a new series that I'm watching currently at at the moment. It's just so interesting. Every episode, I'm just so excited. The only thing I regret is that I can't binge it because again, they're releasing it week to week. So I'm kind of like slowly watching it purposely. Cause I know that if I hit the wall, I'm going to be kind of disappointed, but I'm also mm-hmm. watching servant as well. Another Apple TV plus show. Very good. Oh, is it? It did season three come out? It did. It came nice. out. And uh, did you watch Ser- servant at all? I can't remember. No, I added it to my list, but I didn't get around to it. It's pretty good, and I, I do think you'd like it. I, I do. And it's uh, I think I'd mentioned this to you like many weeks back, but it's cool because it's – so it's about a couple, and they have like this – it's very unusual. There's, there's this thing that they can't, they have a baby or whatever, and they hire a nanny, and I don't want to go too far, but they're living in like a Philadelphia, like almost like a century home. They live in like an old – an old house, like it's really uh, kind of rickety and there's like something very, it's like a house that would creak, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. And uh, it's a beautiful house. It's a beautiful house. He's a chef and she works for the news, like a, a news agency, a news mm-hmm. organization. She's like an, an anchor, a news anchor. She's an anchor woman. Um, and he, the cool thing, I, I, I think I mentioned this to you before, but there's like a weird side plot of him just cooking things. He like it's almost like very hipster this show too, and that like there's always like really cool music on, and he's cooking something, and he's like so passionate about what he what he's making. It's almost like a, a it's almost like Chef in a way. Like I haven't seen that movie, but I, I understand like oh. from at least the trailers how incredible the meals that uh, John Favreau's character makes in that mm-hmm. movie, and that even people have been inspired to make food by watching that show or that movie. Sorry, yeah, I actually did. Uh, I made the Cubanos from uh, that that movie. Yes, I think you mentioned that on this podcast too. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So I, not that it would inspire you necessarily to make what he makes in the show, but there's like some really cool dishes that he makes and he shows how he's making it and he's constantly cooking because he's a he's a chef. And he works from home basically. So it's a kind of a neat concept there. But it's a very, very eerie show. It's directed largely in many episodes by M. Night Shyamalan, not written by him though, um, which is uh, – 
he's a very good director. I'm I don't know mm-hmm. about his writing. I'm not sure yet. Honestly, <laughs> it's very hit or miss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but he he set the tone for the direction because he started it. And I I find this it's like with even with Mindhunter as an example, with David Fincher having directed the first few episodes for Mindhunter, everyone kind of followed suit knowing that they had to follow David Fincher, who's an incredible director. And I feel like they just had to like kind of follow the style. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what I feel like with this show too. Although any M. Night Shyamalan directed episodes, you literally can tell. He is something very, very... I don't know what it is. It's just so in your face in terms of the way he he like he shoots things and he shoots people's faces and for long periods of time and it's it's very good. It's very eerie. It's almost awkward for you to watch as the watcher, as like the the person watching the show. And so I don't know. I really like that show. Anyway, it's also it's awesome. Moving on to the thing I watched that I want to talk about the most, which is King Richard. The Oscars. Uh oh no, sorry. Which that's next. That's right. Right after I talk about King Richard, King Richard, mm-hmm. which is an Oscar nominated movie, um, which is not Oscar nominated for best picture and uh, is directed by uh, Ronaldo Marcus Green and stars Will Smith, who's nominated for best actor. It also stars Anjanu Ellis, who's uh, nominated for best supporting actress, which both of which are amazing. And honestly, I can see them both winning. So I'm kind of curious how that goes. Um, I think that Will Smith might win. I think he's perform- his performance is truly awesome. I think uh, Troy Kotzer will win. This is weird because the Oscars have already aired, so I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I think Will Smith did win. But maybe he didn't because we didn't. <laughs> no, we've watched it. Will Smith did <laughs> win he, unless he didn't win, which yeah. honestly, it's up to you yeah. guys to find it. Just, just stick with us. We're actually going to tell you the truth later in moments moments from now anyways king richard's about basically um richard williams who is the father to uh, serena and venus williams Mm -hmm. arguably the the greatest tennis athletes of all time and um he has this like 78 page plan or whatever and he as like they're small kids when he's already wrote up or i don't even know if they've been born yet before he writes up this plan for them to become tennis stars like like the best that there ever was is his plan. I wonder I wonder if they ever turned out to be good tennis players. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Um but the show takes place largely in the 90s and the 1990s and he is a, a very interesting dude. He's a eccentric fellow and they show that's family dynamic and how he kind of gets them to where they are in some way and it shows the drive of the not just him obviously, but definitely Serena and Venus Williams, who are very young, and like the show, uh, the show, the movie starts off with them to be fourteen, or at least uh, Venus is fourteen years old when it starts, um, and then they kind of age throughout. But like he's got them on this really kind of intense training regimen, but they kind of live in uh, what uh, like Richard calls the ghetto in Compton, uh, California, and they kind of just get themselves out of that situation by like this serious drive that the really the whole family it's like a whole family effort have to get out of the situation and uh it's very interesting it's a very interesting story i i i don't know i i think it's definitely worth the watch it's it got me emotional for sure it wasn't as bad as coda in terms of the range of emotions but it's there's something about sports movies for me movies like the fighter um and like even I don't know. I'm not blanking on sports movie movies, um, but oh, actually, honestly, Airbud. Uh, 
<laughs> not Air Bud. Um, honestly, you're actually reminding me a lot of uh, a Queen's uh, Queen's Gambit, actually. Oh, oh. In a way, it's interesting because, like, if you're not interested in chess, it doesn't really matter. If you're not interested in tennis, in this case, you, it doesn't really matter. Like, you'll you'll still be. It's all about the inspirational story of how Richard Williams did this, and really how Serena William, Williams and Venus Williams got to where they were at, from such a young age, being so driven. And it's just, uh, yeah, again, it's just uh, it's very inspiring. And uh, I, again, I cried quite a few times, and again, I was happy quite a few times because it's just it does everything so well, and that and the performance of Will Smith is truly remarkable. So I, that's good. I'm. I'm not surprised that he insert whether he won here. So yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, Th- this was like the one uh, one one of the Oscar um, like best picture round. Like, I'm just not too super interested in it just because like, I don't really care about tennis and all that sort of stuff. But if 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 you're you know comparing it to Queen the Queen's Gambit, which I absolutely adored, and you know you're telling me that this is like an inspirational movie. It's a it's a good movie. I mean, obviously it's a good movie. It's nominated for best picture. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a watch. I, I definitely fell behind on my best picture nomination watching this past year. Just got really into watching a bunch of random shit. So that's fair. Kind of sold me on this. Yeah, I think you would like it. I, I do think you'll like it. Like honestly, is it on Crave? You mentioned that it's it on Crave on just Crave. now. It just okay. went on Crave on Friday, so last uh, last Friday. So it's pretty good there. John Bernthal's in it as well. He's really good. The other thing I want to say too, this is obviously a biopic. So this is like, so a lot of the facts are all known. I feel like you can just look it up Mm -hmm. and you find them pretty quickly. Um, But one of the things I say, which I really respect, and they did this, I don't know if they did it better necessarily, but I really like the Steve Jobs movie with uh, Michael Fassbender because Mm -hmm. of something that his family didn't love. Steve Jobs' family didn't love about it, which is that I felt like they made Steve Jobs seem like a human being who's extremely flawed because every human being is flawed. And that was one of the things I really loved about that movie. They showed him to be this kind of egotistical guy, but he also had this really soft side and he was like a genius at the same time. And there was like this whole putting it all together into a cauldron and making it look like an actual human being and not some just some hero. Mm-hmm. I love that about that movie so much. And Michael Fassbender's performance is really good and it was great. But his family, Steve Jobs' family critically like – well, I guess if they're critics, I guess they just they just didn't love it. They were saying, don't go watch this. This is inaccurate. But I'm like, is this inaccurate? Because I don't – everyone kind of knows that – I feel like it's like well-known that Steve Jobs is not the easiest guy to work with. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if you it, – it's not that harsh on him, like honestly. So I, I feel like it's fair. But I feel like this is fair as well. And it's arguably a, a love letter to Richard Williams – but mm-hmm. you can see the flaws in his character for sure. And they they draw a light, like put a, a spotlight right on it in some aspect. Um, maybe the Steve Jobs movie was a little bit harsher in that um, I feel like the cons- they didn't consult the family as much as they did in this one. But they consulted the family, which is great. Like the Williams, fa- Williams family was consulted to make the movie accurate. Mm. And I think that that is a neat idea and that they talked to quite a few people to get this thing to be not something that's just, you know, kind of fiction. And they, they, they initially, I think the family was kind of hesitant. It was uh, Isha Price, I think was the individual who, uh, so Price, he kind of remarried Williams. So there's a, there's a different last name there, but Isha Price was his adopted daughter in the movie. And 
the real life Isha Price is a lawyer, I believe now. And so she was heavily involved in trying to make sure that everything was accurate. Williams, Richard Williams was not actually involved in making this movie. He's like the only one, which is mm-hmm. interesting. So I feel like that that helps in terms of the fairness as well and, and trying to maybe remove some of the bias in that regard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to see if he had seen the movie because I think that that's one of the interesting things. But I think it was Isha Price who said specifically uh, he would really like it. Um, it's a, it's like a kind of a love letter to him in some way. But I, I feel like that I appreciate when movies like this, biopics, show the flaws of the character that they're focused on. Like nobody is perfect. Let's not pretend that anybody is. Like this isn't a movie about Jesus Christ. Like, like, come on. So it's cool that they, I mean, that they show the bright side and that's all great. But mm-hmm. there's obviously some darkness in every situation. And I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know how, how much they missed out on. Maybe they missed out on a lot of the, maybe more darkness than they're, than they showed. But I feel like that they did a good job in showing both sides of the story in some aspect. Well, that's and good. just leave out the bad stuff. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That, that seems very interesting, man. And, and it's nice that the family was like so involved, except for, I guess, King Richard himself. Again, it was the, the idea of c- controlling the narrative. And it was funny. That's that actual a line in Daredevil is uh, Karen Page literally says to somebody in a hospital, she's she's there to write a story about this uh, rich, rich girl whose father's in the hospital because they got attacked. Mm-hmm. And she's like saying, she basically goes to the hospital and she's like, I want to write a piece about this situation. Can I get like, you know, a statement from you? And this woman's like, no, I'm in the hospital waiting for my like dad to get out of the hospital. Like, what do you, why would you think this is appropriate? And she's like, well, someone's going to write this story regardless because you're literally you know, like, you, yeah, debutante or whatever. Like they're going to write this no matter what happens. Cause you're going to, you're going to hit the news regardless from our paper or somewhere else. Do you want to make your statement your way? Or do you want to make it uh, the way the press wants to make it up? And I feel like that's kind of a representation of this is that if they weren't involved, maybe this story would have been just written for them and have a bunch of inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. And I think that that might've happened with the Steve Jobs movie. Honestly, I don't know, but they did talk to witnesses who knew him very well, fairly well for making that Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. That was a careful consideration with, um, oh, that was, that's an Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin movie, actually. That's uh, written by Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. and directed by Danny Boyle. So like, it's a great, a great combo of people who made that movie. And they did talk to, I'm pretty sure the, not the family, but people who knew Steve Jobs to write that. But I feel like you didn't talk to the family cause you just couldn't. And so the narrative was kind of written for them. And in this case, that was our, the argument I think made by Isha Price and that, you know, it's best that we take the narrative by its, by the horns and kind of try to bring truth to it in our own way, as opposed to let somebody write the story 10 years later and not even ask us. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Don't know if it won best picture, but, uh, I do no, know do because know. we just watched the Oscars. So, but we're not going to reveal it until now. Until right now. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, Adrian, news story number one. The 94th annual Academy Awards ceremony, hosted by actors Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall, were presented live at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, California, on Sunday, March 27th, 2022. Adrian... We both watched this ceremony. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that happened, a lot of war- awards that were given yeah. out naturally. And uh, I'm curious, Adrian, what did you think this year? You got to watch them this year, which you did not get to watch 
than last year because you need a cable mm-hmm. subscription in Canada to watch these awards. Yeah. But what did you think overall about the awards? Like, just a, if you you were to sum it up in a couple words, few words. Um, I think. Uh... This was a, a pretty entertaining watch, the Oscars themselves. I was lucky enough to um, be able to go over to my girlfriend's house. Uh, she has cable, so I got to watch the Oscars this year, which was nice. Last year, I just uh, kept on refreshing a page to find out who the winners were at the time. That's annoying. Because you did intend to watch them, and you tried to watch them, but you just couldn't find a feed. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, the year before that, I found like an illegal one online like through Reddit or whatever. So it's harder to find than it seems. Yeah, it's funny. I've I've struggled with that for years, and I have kind of have cable like adjacent because my family has it, so I just use the Rogers package basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous that you can't just pay like twenty bucks to watch the Oscars online. It's like it's yeah, fucking stupid. Just the one event. Yeah, I'll just pay <laughs> pay per view. I will literally What's pay twenty dollars for this. It's like fuck, it's crazy because like if you you can buy a fight, like you can buy like a UFC mm-hmm. fight for like. 20 bucks yeah. or whatever. It depends on the depends on the fight. Sometimes they're like 100 bucks, I think. Yeah, but man. I don't know why you can't do this. Do that with the Super Bowl or the Oscars. It seems strange. Yeah, what's ridiculous about this is that there was a fight at the Oscars too. And I couldn't pay for it. I couldn't pay for the UFC fight. Between <laughs> How ridiculous was that, man? Oh, dude. It was like, yeah, okay. So for context purposes, uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock very hard in the face on stage just prior to Chris Rock, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, announcing the nominations for best, uh, what was it? Best documentary, if I recall correctly. Um, after yeah. Chris Rock made a joke about um, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, Will Smith's wife, calling her G.I. Jane. Um, and, you know, he, he like makes this joke in passing. Will Smith walks on stage, slaps him incredibly hard on the uh, like face. And initially I was like, oh, is this like a bit? That's what I thought. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. We thought the same thing. Don and I thought the same thing. Don's my girlfriend. Uh, I didn't give any context there for people who don't know me. <laughs> but yeah, Don and I sitting there, we're like, wait, that's a bit. And then they're like swearing. And they, you know that it's not a bit, I guess, when they block out mm-hmm. the sound because they're obviously blocking out the swears. And they're like just swearing at each other on stage. Although I feel like Chris Rock kind of didn't really swear very much he was just kind of still joking yeah he said uh yeah like will smith just smacked the shit out of me so they cut it out I, i'm actually taking this from a, i think a vanity fair yeah vanity fair article and yeah like will smith walks away sits down and says like keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth and twice yeah he yells it twice i watched the clip there's a clip you can find a clip online of it not ble- uh, bleeped out oh okay and honestly i was <laughs> i was literally just sitting there being like what the fuck? Like, I, hmm, how can I word this in a way that isn't like totally dickish? So to give, let's give some context first, yeah. if we may. Okay. The reason why he was offended is because Jada Pinkett Smith has been, has been undergoing, um, like a, she's, she's has a condition basically called alopecia. Yeah. I, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I, I do, I knew, do know of this where you lose hair. And she's suffering hair mm-hmm. loss. And so the joke was directed specifically at that. So it was definitely a joke in bad taste. Let's just say that. Mm, I Like, I guess. But Chris Rock is literally a comedian. I know it's like punching down, blah, 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 blah. Who the fuck cares? No, it is. I, I don't know. It's generally, it, it is genuinely. It's She has a condition. So that's a, that's a, that's a poor joke. That's, a, mm. that's kind of like a joke in bad taste. I would say that unquestionably it's a joke in bad taste yeah does that warrant assault no heck no <laughs> dude no it's assault he literally assaulted him yeah. for sure that's for sure that's what happened 
When you have a joke in bad taste like that, like for instance, if you watch the Golden Globes with Ricky Gervais, oh yeah, God, so good. Which like he just attacks everyone. And just to be clear, Jada Pinkett Smith is a millionaire. She's not. She doesn't have cancer, and that's why she's losing. Yeah, her it's not like a, a death illness. It's just you're losing some. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm not like downplaying alopecia because I know like it's 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 not ideal. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's st- it still sucks. Yeah, I get but it. it's just like come the fuck on, grow up and be more mature. And honestly, so Will Smith wins Best Actor and then goes up on stage and then does a speech about you know love and peace and all that stuff. And honestly, I was like, this speech. <laughs> real like to be honest is just kind of it's ironic yeah it's so ironic i literally well, was sitting there with my girlfriend like man the irony in this and it's really just kind of lost its luster i feel like that would have been a very powerful speech if he didn't just whack the shit out of fucking chris rock like 10 minutes earlier i don't know it's uh it's weird because like anthony hopkins like said it was a good speech after and i was like i don't know that's true yeah. did you miss the other part anthony were you in the back were you backstage? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I like how like Amy Schumer like walks out on stage. I'm not a huge Amy Schumer fan, um, but honestly, she's just like, sorry, I was getting out of like my Spider-Man costume. Like, did anything happen while I was gone? Like something yeah. seems off here. I'm like, that's a, that's a quality way to kind of, you know, loosen yeah. everyone up a bit after such a ridiculous situation. I don't Probably know. improvised too. Cause obviously that, that wasn't expected. Yeah, definitely. So actually, to go quickly, I and mean, we're going to get back to this probably, but the hosts were pretty great. They I were. actually liked their performances. And to be honest, Amy Schumer was pretty great like mm. throughout. Her hanging there as, as Spider-Man was pretty <laughs> ridiculous. There's a lot of moments where she like shined for, fairly well. They all had their moments to shine at, mm-hmm. honestly. They did, they did a great job. Yeah, I really – yeah. But, like Regina Hall is just absolutely hilarious. Like I don't – I haven't seen her in much, but honestly, I have uh, – I have like a lot of nostalgia whenever I see her just because she reminds me of the scary movies. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever watched scary movie, like one and two, like I watched, I watched the shit a few, out of those. so long ago. Yeah. So long ago I saw them. Um, and honestly, she's just absolutely hilarious in those. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I really appreciated having her up there too. And yeah, again, I, I agree with you. It's nice having hosts again at the Oscars. Cause I feel like it was severely oh, sure. lacking uh, over the past like three, four years. Um, a constant a baseline something mm-hmm. to get back to it's, yeah it's important for sure and that's like i don't know how they how it was three years before they decided to go back to it yeah it's shocking mm-hmm. but yeah they did a great job and mm-hmm. um yeah and the, the improvisation was good th- there too but i just want to point out just briefly here like so just go back briefly to the will smith thing mm-hmm. so he said the speech and then it looked like he was about to apologize and he checked out am i wrong yeah he said, i apologize to the academy mm-hmm. but then he didn't actually apologize yeah, he it's just like, it's like what are you apologizing for? You mean like whacking Chris for crying? Assault? Yeah, it's it's like it's confusing cuz it cuz yeah, that's what he kind of continued to talk about after he's just like I'm not crying because of I won this award, I'm crying because of blah 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 blah. And it's just like wait, what are you apologizing for though? It was it was very confusing yeah. and uh, I don't know, man. It just <laughs> It really just kind of put a sour taste in my mouth, like watching. I'm like, yeah, are you really like this thin skinned, this, this thin haired? Right. If you're that thin skinned, why? Oh, that was damn. That's important. But the thin skinned aspect, though, for real, like you have a podcast in which you air all of your dirty laundry. Are you serious? That's my question. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. And Will Smith's always came off to me as a, like a chill dude. 
I just don't get it. I just, I just guess I saw, obviously there's always a facade. They're actors, mm -hmm. you know, in Hollywood. So I, I guess boo me for being so naive. Yeah. But uh, man, I, I lost a lot of respect for Will Smith. Gotta say. Oh, me, dude, definitely. There's also the question of like, shouldn't it be, he's been, shouldn't he have been removed? And I think, yeah, honestly. Oh, hundred percent, man. You literally assaulted like, someone. He should be charged for assault. Just because you're fucking rich and you're at an award show and someone made a joke yeah. about your wife doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that you can punch someone in the fuck, well, sorry, slap someone in the face very aggressively. I don't know. And I don't know. Like, I, I know I'm, this is kind of the outside looking in. I don't know these people. I'm not on a personal level or anything like that. But uh, I don't know. Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't seem like a nice person, realistically. Um, in any interview, I see her and she seems very just full of herself. And literally, like, on their podcast, she admits to fucking a, a, her son's friend. You know what I mean? And cheating on Will Smith. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I have no sympathy for someone like that. And I couldn't really care less um about her feelings getting hurt you know it's weird we we talk we talk about the entanglement somewhere else in this podcast mm -hmm. but i can't remember if it was before this segment of our show or after yeah i can't remember either <laughs> anyway this is if you didn't couldn't tell this part of the podcast is spliced in because we always record on saturdays yeah. the oscars happen on sundays so if it seems a little weird that's why Mm -hmm. Just so you're aware, audience. By the way, we make a bunch of references to watching the Oscars already, even though we didn't watch the Oscars. I'm spoiling it here, but the, the running joke is going to happen throughout this episode. <laughs> you're just killing so it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just killing it right now, dude. Killing the joke, uh, I mean. Oh, man. But here, seriously, though, it's weird to like just to wrap that Will Smith part up. Like Will Smith like made a speech about caring about family, which King Richard is very much about. And it's like, it sounds like he's just talking about himself. You know what I mean? He's like selfish. Like, this is me. I'm, I care about my family. That's why I stood up and hit him in the mouth. But he never wanted to say that explicitly. Yeah. And it looked like then he was going to apologize and didn't do it. But to be quite honest, the win for best actor was not much of a surprise to me. Oh, fair I, enough. I just talked about King Richard and how good he was in that. Mm -hmm. And watching that clip again of, uh, of him talking to Venus in, in King Richard just before he won, um, I was like, oh yeah, man, I, 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 I cried literally in the scene that they show in the Oscars. So mm. his performance is immaculate. It is very good. So say what you want about the man who made a very terrible decision, in my opinion. Yeah. He's a great actor. I'm not going to deny that. He, he did a great job in that performance. Mm. It just sours it though. It's just like, why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Where's your, like, it's just a poor character decision. Mm. Like, I'm not saying he's a poor character. I'm just saying. It's just not a good decision in that moment. It just, again, there's respect for him definitely went down for me like yeah. by a large margin. I just can't believe that. That's a little bit ridiculous. Like violence is simply not the answer. Ugh. Does he, has he never gone to the Golden Globes with Ricky Gervais there? I guess not. Uh, I don't know. But it, it's just... A, Maybe he has history with Chris Rock. It's possible. I know. Um, so in that Vanity Fair article that I read in like, I think 2016, Chris Rock made a joke about... Um, Jada Pinkett Smith um, during one of his like presentation portions where he said like he made fun of her for boycotting um, the Oscars that year, even though she, and then he's just like, but it's just like me like uh, here, let, let me pull it up real quick. Let me pull it up real quick because I don't want to sure, uh, butcher sure. the shit out of this. Um, Sorry, who's saying this? Chris Rock uh, made this um, oh. joke back in 2016. 
Okay. Um, let me pull it up. Where is it? Okay, yeah. So during uh, the 2016 ceremony, which Rock hosted, he poked fun at Pinkett Smith for famously boycotting that year's ceremony. Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. I wasn't invited. Um, so oh. okay, I guess he said that before. But even then, it's just, I don't know. Like Maybe they have history that's not really been pointed out. I meant more like personal history is what I meant. Oh, yeah, I know. But Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just it's frustrating as hell. Yeah. Because it's also, and then I want to put another positive spin on this entire ceremony, or ace positive spin, because we've talked mostly negative, <laughs> honestly. Um, but honestly, the ceremony was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think this is one of the better Oscars I've seen maybe in a long time, and maybe that's just because of the lack of hosts lately. But just the the overall composition, the direction it went in, and the speed, the brisk pace pacing of it was quite good. Mm-hmm. I do not like the t- fact that they took out some of those awards like uh, best editing, best sound, best music that to me made no sense still a- a- on a perspective of it just felt a bit disrespectful because it felt like they were rushing those awards out where the other ones were given a lot of time. And I don't think that that worked out, although it worked out in terms of pacing in that this was the easiest watch of an Oscars that I probably ever had. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't remember I, again, maybe before when they had hosts, maybe I, maybe it was a little bit, uh, better paced as well, but I really appreciated that quite a bit. I was entertained throughout. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because somebody punched somebody in the face. I would rather have not seen the drama. I drama. I'm good without seeing that. Yeah. That's just idiotic. It's just again, it's just kind of it kind of puts a damper on the professionalism of the event. Oh, definitely. But uh, I man, and there's lots of crazy good moments in terms of the just the aspect of the celebration of movies. I don't think I've seen it done this well in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think back my probably my favorite ceremony otherwise was maybe, and it's make I don't come off. It's a little weird, but I really liked the Hugh Jackman hosted one and that the musical number in the beginning of that was amazing. And it just felt like it was, it was a good, good overall uh, event. The, I always appreciate when they bring in the musical numbers that are the best song throughout the event and pepper that in. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate when they celebrate the best picture nominees and show the clips of them throughout. And I don't think they did that last year. And it was a it was a notable problem for me and that it was it's it just felt like it was just let's get through the awards. I, I don't know. It just the passion for who whoever produced this, I feel like was there. Mm-hmm. And they really wanted to put on a really good show and a celebration of movies. And then lastly, The Godfather, Pulp Fiction, and White Men Can't Jump, like the anniversaries of those three movies and showing, bringing on the cast for those movies to to celebrate them. And the Pulp Fiction one honestly being the the notable, probably the best one and that they also announced an award in that moment too Mm -hmm. with Samuel Jackson pulling out the the card out of his, uh, out of the briefcase. It's just brilliant. Even just John Travolta and Uma Thurman dancing there was just so cool. There was, again, the smoothness of the presentation and the aspects of the celebration of film, so good. Sorry, I, I've been talking for a while. No, <laughs> I don't no. Know if you agree or disagree, I definitely agree, man. I, I found a lot of enjoyment out of this, and I agree that this was definitely a tighter show, and it it was an easier watch. Uh, where you know some years will go on for like four and a half, five hours, where it's just like, ah, get to the fucking point. Um, <laughs> a lot of the time, uh, and. I don't know. I, I'm kind of of two minds of that, though, because I felt bad. I forget uh, who won uh, one of the awards. It was like a group of of a few uh, a, a, a people. And, you know, like the one guy made the speech. And then as the second guy was going on, like they started playing them off with the music. And it always makes me feel kind of sad. It's just like, man, these these people in in a lot of cases, this is a once in a lifetime experience and they can't 
you know, say their piece or whatever, but it makes sense in the grand scheme of things. So I'm not, I'm not super sour about that, but I wonder if that happened less this time because they had more time Hmm. because I, I only remember that happening once. And usually they play people off a lot more. And because of the fact that they were able to rush it out because they, uh, truncated it down because they cut out some of the awards. I just think that the disrespectful aspect, they need to find a different balance. I don't know what that is. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that as well. The guy tries to go in and and says say something, and then he hesitated, and then said whatever he was. He said thank you at the end anyway. I was yeah. like, oh, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah, it it, it actually happened like twice. But um, what's his name? Uh, Ria, uh, the director, Riosuke. Ryusuke Hamaguchi, who directed Drive My Car, which won uh, Best International Film. I don't think either of us are surprised about that uh, by any means. What? How um, could that have won that, what even the, though it was nominated for Best Picture as well? What are the chances? The attendant at the Waterloo Princess Twin Cinema mm-hmm. said, he's like, hmm, I bet you it's going to win international. It's got a good chance. I think he said it's got a good chance of winning international Best best film this year it's like yeah man it's got literally the best chance man is what you what i said to him <laughs> it's the only bro- one nominated for best picture and he broke his legs as we were leaving the theater no i didn't but the guy's a good guy he was a friendly man he was a friendly man kudos to that guy i don't know his name kudos to the guy at the waterloo princess twin cinemas mm. kudos yeah. to that guy even though he's like this movie yeah. was too long no it wasn't it was deliberately this long okay you just don't understand film is what I what I exclaimed, but anyways, uh, uh, what else? He was of course referencing Drive My Car. Yeah. In, when he said that, um, and I'm gonna I, I digress. Anyways, uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi when he was on and saying his thing, he's that he gets start he starts getting played off or whatever, and he's like, like no 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 wait <laughs> like one more thing yeah, yeah and literally they just like stop it for him. I was like right on man, good for you. Stand up for yourself. Do this. Well, he thought he was. They thought he was stopping, and I would have too. Mm. Let's be honest. But like the the guy probably knows five languages, though. So yeah. I feel like it's it's. I think it was like he was trying to get the words because he's English is not his first language. So that made sense. It's possibly not even his second language. Possibly not. It, he, I think he was trying to say something else mm. at the end as well. But then he also got played off the, a second time. Yeah, just because he paused for very long periods which i think threw off the the people mm-hmm. in control of the music yeah and the transitions speaking of pausing a bunch during their like i guess speech or build up to a like an award uh, kevin costner's portion when he was you know explaining about being like a young child and watching like yeah whatever movie i actually really liked that speech but literally Me too he was it was like powerful it was nice but again he would like say like four words and then pause for like two seconds and then continue and then pause for two seconds. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, this is really great. But then he announced Best uh, Director and Jane Campion won. And she goes up and she's like, that was dramatic. I was like, why do you got to be such a bitch about this? And I was like, that's not nice. I felt really bad for Kevin Costner, honestly. Like, you could see him just being like, oh, like, that's kind of mean. Um, yeah, I think he wrote that. And honestly, it, it mm. felt very passionate. I, I love that. That was one of my favorite moments. And it's again, the pacing aspect too, and that it just goes through these ebbs and flows yeah. so well. And that that was a nice slow speech and it and very well scripted and well written. Mm-hmm. And like, man, you can tell that guy loves movies and yeah. he loves making them. And it's like, I, I love that was one of my favorite moments of the ceremony as well. Yeah, too. it was really powerful. Um, but yeah, imagine if he just slapped Jane Campion in the face after that. You know what I mean? That would have been a whole ordeal. Yeah, he would have he would have been arrested. Yeah. 
That's for yeah. sure. That uh, would have been outrageous. Honestly, sure. on a quick topic of just double standards, um, like in this in this oh. sort of thing, <laughs> well, is because that was a segue. No, realistically though, like there there is that double standard. Like it, again, if Kevin Costner slapped Jane Campion in the face, it would be like a totally different story. Um, because you know, it's it, obviously you, you shouldn't hit anyone. Um, but like, don't hit yeah. a woman. But at the at the beginning of the show, what kind of like threw me off a bit is literally, you know, they. They did this whole bit about calling all the single men onto the stage. And, you know, they're like, oh, like, we're going to like take them to the back and like bang them, essentially, is what they're doing. And then I, f- I forget who the two actors were that like came out on the stage. But then, you know, Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes are just like kind of like, or I think it was just Regina Hall, is just like feeling them up on stage and everything like that. Oh, yeah. Jason Momoa and uh, Josh Brolin. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, this is a funny bit. And then like, like my, uh, my girlfriend was like, you know, this is kind of like the prime example of, you know, like the double standard. Just like, imagine if the roles were reversed. And I was like, that's a really good fucking point because a dude can't do this. And I understand there's a lot of history and all of that sort of stuff. But again, yeah. if, if we do want to take that sort of stuff seriously, I, I feel like we, we need to stop with this sort of double standard personally, not to get too into that. But I, I did kind of want to bring that up personally myself. Hmm. I did. Already. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, I don't know. It, it, again, the history part that you mentioned there mm-hmm. is kind of, why the opposite could not have happened. But yeah. yeah, I can see why you would be a little bit, feel a little icky about it. Yeah. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing about the ceremony before we start getting to, into the awards um, in memoriam mm. was one of the better in memoriams that I've seen in terms of, again, execution. It's all about the execution, except for the fact that it left out Bob Saget and it left huh. out Norm MacDonald. Just like, oh. how did you leave those two out? Yeah, what? that's a good point. I, I don't even think How do about they that. make this mistake every year? I, I don't get it. They I, they leave someone out, I feel like, every year, and they're huge names. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can name them, you have a problem. And uh, it was instantly, re- like, I feel like, recognized by the public because that's there's lots of posts about this very thing. But I just don't get it. Bob Saget and Norm MacDonald are huge names. Mm-hmm. So, like, how did you do that? I don't even get it. But other than that, though, I thought, like, having Bill Murray on stage and uh, – Tyler uh, Tyler Perry and Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. with a puppy, which was great uh, because of Betty White's love for for puppies. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that was very well done. I thought that it's a little weird in, in memoriams how they spend a bit more time on certain people and not on others. That's always been weird to me. But there's something about the celebration of it in this, especially having the puppy on stage. I just thought like the celebration of their lives as opposed to just mourning them being gone was something that I've really felt was emphasized here. And even the music and the, the selection of music and and kind of pushing it into the presentation from like Bill Murray and mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of brilliant. I don't know. I, it's one of the better versions of this, except for the fact that they omitted some big names, and I just don't know why that happens. Like mm-hmm. hire me, I, I can I can compose a list for you each year, and you won't miss that. I can literally list every single person that died. Hire me. Yeah, I, yeah, that's it's kind of morbid, but yeah, sure. Anyways, if you were if you were collecting the names each year, like hire maybe just a person to th- to do that. I don't know, an intern of some sort, somebody who cares about this. Just don't have that happen. But anyway, I don't know. Did you feel like it was a well done, like well executed in memoriam? Or? Um, yeah, I think so. I, honestly, I think most years, I think it's fairly well executed. But this one, I feel like, yeah, it kind of set itself apart um, with 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 those three individuals coming on stage and like adding those little like you know, speeches about those three um, three people as well. But yeah, I, I guess I kind of do agree with you. It's like, why does why is this person more important than the last? It, it 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a complex situation, Simon, is what I'm gonna say. It is. Yeah. But I the the celebration aspect I feel like made it more okay for me. It's just omitting names completely, that is like, I don't know why. It's disrespectful, I think. And how did no one come up with this? No one's no one looked at that and said, Oh, Oh yeah, we missed so and so. Like I, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, is it? It's just it's odd. We missed a hugely like two arguably hugely influential comedians. You know what I mean? Um, it's, yeah, it's odd. I, I just don't get it. I, I'm sure those two will be at the Emmys, but that would be their excuse. I'm sure tomorrow. But I just feel like like uh, the Academy's excuse. But I just think that's just doesn't feel great to me. But um, to get to some of the awards, if we may, mm-hmm. Adrian. Um, Coda one. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it right now. And I was so happy. I, I can't I can't stress enough the best speech of the night, uh although I feel like it could have been Will Smith if he didn't punch a guy in the face. Because I feel like he had stuff that was good to say and he just whoa, whoa, whoa. Couldn't... He slapped a guy in the face. Whatever. Whatever. He he just I think he he had good stuff to say, but he got derailed and he kind of felt like he was all over the place mm-hmm. because he was talking about the the moment that just happened, but without saying it explicitly. That's kind of what I felt like. I don't know if you got that, but mm-hmm. anyways, he, his speech was otherwise would have been probably great. Um, but you know who my favorite speech was? Can you guess? Was it the the guys from Coda? Troy Kotzer. <gasps> best supporting actor. Yeah, this is so brilliant. And in in general, like Coda winning. I don't know. It's just seeing all of the the standing ovation and seeing everyone kind of like wa- like doing the clapping, like the waving their hands kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for if you can't hear, it, it's it's like a sign of respect kind of idea. I just really appreciated that. Just I don't know. There was something about the it's ingrained in my memory about J.K. Simmons just doing it, and everyone's just uh, everyone's just smiling, and it's just kind of a in a way an upset. I I feel like I think people thought maybe. Power of the Dog was going to take it. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing Coda win to me, I don't know, because I just love that movie so much. I've watched every movie except for Belfast at this point, And I genuinely think it's my favorite one. It's just felt, felt like the most heartfelt. And mm-hmm. like Sean uh, Hedder's movies, she just did such a great job directing it. And um, man, I just, uh, I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm I'm still very excited to watch Coda. Like uh, that is that is on my docket. I should have watched it this past week, but again. You fell asleep. Sleep comes first, man. Sleep comes first. Yeah. But um, what one, uh, yeah, I guess like to um, continue on like some of the wins that I was kind of surprised, but at the same time kind of happy about uh, was Jessica Chastain winning for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, <laughs> Crazy, eh? It's the only movie we watched out of the entire lot. And I was mm-hmm. like, she did a great job. She did. And then she won. Yeah. I'm like, I can't speak to anyone else. I'm like, wow, Kristen Stewart did a great job in that scene. Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay. And then Jessica Chastain wins. And I was like, oh, well, she was amazing. Yeah, she was. But I just, I don't have the context to judge because mm-hmm. I have no idea how the other uh, women in the category did. So it's interesting but. though, because I feel like that is, I think the lowest rated movie of the five, if I recall correctly, like on uh, rotten tomatoes. Um, and I know you weren't super hot on like the eyes of Tammy Faye, but I, I quite, I quite enjoyed that movie. And I think I even said it during um, our like little review back in the day about the eyes of Tammy Faye, how like Jessica Chastain just became unrecognizable throughout that film. And like it, she was Tammy Faye. And I, I, I was happy to see that. I, I was just kind of like, Oh damn really awesome um and again I'm, i really love that movie I, I really liked it and i think her job in that like what she did in that movie along with andrew garfield of course was just top tier stellar yeah her speech was good too mm-hmm. um and, and they won best uh, uh best makeup right mm-hmm. if i recall yeah yeah i'm not wrong right i didn't miss 
No, no, it was. It was her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was the it was her team or the team surrounding her that made that happen. Yeah. But yeah. Because the makeup helped her too. Mm-hmm. That's also helped her be a little bit more unrecognizable, kind of like Colin Farrell in the Batman. Mm-hmm. And that the prosthetics helped a bit too. But her performance just right through the prosthetics mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And uh, Dune won a tremendous number of technical awards. Yeah, I think it, it won the most. Dude. Like it won the most Oscars this year. I think I'm correct about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure you are right. Hans Zimmer won for best music. Mm-hmm. Well deserved, that's for sure. Although, like, tough competition, like the other categories, like the other uh, individuals in the category were amazing as well. Yeah. And then it won um, specifically cinematography by Greg Fraser. And that the cinematography is divine, just like it is in the Batman. Mm-hmm. And if you won for Dune, honestly, I feel like he should be a front runner for the Batman because both of those movies have incredible cin- cinematography, I agree. both by Greg Fraser. VFX was Dune as well, which was like not really that surprising to me, but I, I kind of thought maybe Spider-Man No Way Home would win it just because it, it is like a lot of CG. Mm-hmm. And the teams on that did a great job. Sound was Dune, not a surprise. Film editing, I thought could honestly be Don't Look Up because that movie's largely editing is what makes that movie mm-hmm. so brilliant. And the way that it cuts to like in shots of deer running through a, a river and like uh, beetles walking along the the beach and stuff like you know what i'm talking about like, yeah it just feels like it's it's a immaculate editing that's the way that movie's paced is based on the editing mm-hmm. um and then production production design went to to dune as well yeah so it's all good stuff there yeah i think it's the most for sure yeah costume design going to cruella was interesting it was funny because uh jenny beaven when uh when she was like shown on camera i was like oh, man i was like that's a it's a weird outfit. It lo- she looks like she's right out of the movie. And then uh, my girlfriend was literally just like, I think that's the intention. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I was like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. She goes up on stage like, so I, you know, I brought my own Corella into real life. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just a fucking idiot. Um, so She's won three Oscars. Oh, damn. He, she, if I feel like if you look, if there was a, a picture in the dictionary of like costume designer, like world renowned, I feel like it's her you know what i mean mm-hmm. like she just looks like it and she talks the part and she just like and she just owns it i feel like yeah. even in her speech and yeah. she got played off actually to be honest yeah I mean, more people got played off than i'm giving yeah. credit but i think that uh yeah she's awesome yeah she so. sounds so british like, she's the definition yeah. of just like a british person a british artist yeah it's like how they talk like the mannerisms top of their class yeah, and just like oh my god artist i was like, I, I was like this, this woman is so british it's ridiculous yeah also, I mentioned Anthony Hopkins was mm-hmm. uh, was there. Anthony Hopkins being there was awesome, mm-hmm. just because he's a legend, and he wasn't there last year. So I'm happy for that for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, even like uh, seeing like Liza Minnelli and and Lady Gaga, you know, presenting Best Picture, that was like a really cute moment. Yeah, that yeah, was really sweet. Yeah, it was it was really adorable. Like when when Lady Gaga leans and is like, "I got you," or something along those lines. Like I was just yeah. like, "That is so adorable. I love it." Lady Gaga just seems like a very nice person. And uh, Liza Minnelli, probably best known for her role in Arrested Development. Um, yeah. they, I just realized that the hosts also just took two jabs at Ridley Scott mm-hmm. throughout. They took a jab at the accents in House of Gucci, but they also said that no one has seen The Last Duel. <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of felt... I just realized they, uh, that was twice. Yeah, I felt a little bad for him. <laughs> I, I guess a like, little bit, yeah. I was like this guy's a fucking this guy's an entrepreneur. Legend. <laughs> he's, 
He's an a, entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. He made the film industry, Simon. Um, an entrepreneur. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was just like, man, why are you guys fucking kicking this guy? He's he's awesome. He's amazing. Yeah, um, it's a little bit. It's uh, yeah, it, it went too much on him, maybe. But uh, now imagine if Ridley Scott came there and just slapped him in the fucking face. Okay. Uh, anyways, yeah, you and this laughing in the face thing. You just can't let this go. Here, Adrian, there's one more thing I want to talk about. I maybe have missed something else, uh, a couple other things. But there were two things we talked about. We talked about the Oscars over the last few weeks on our podcast multiple times. We mm-hmm. talked about something specific, and it was the voted awards on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Adrian, we just can't avoid talking about the chosen best movie moment and like of all time. And the best movie, or the I guess the fan favorite movie of 2021. The fan favorite movie of 2021 was Army of the Dead. Let's just go there for a second. Yeah. Obviously directed by Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. If there's any fans that own Twitter, it's Zack Snyder's fans. Mm-hmm. And the proof of that is the fact that somehow the best movie moment of all time <laughs> is Zack Snyder's Justice League in which... Freaking flash breaks the whatever it's called the flash barrier the 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 the, the time force the, was it time force is that what the, it's called that the, yeah something like that he break he breaks the sand the, he he runs so fast that the timeline gets fucked he reverses time yeah but it's like what the speed force speed force thank Man. you Jesus how ridiculous is that how is that the best movie moment of all time now we're not talking about last year mm-hmm. we're talking about of all time Adrian. I, they, they, they it ra- outranked the crazy moment in Spider-Man No Way Home, which we're not going to spoil here because mm-hmm. we're we're just so great because we don't spoil anything, of course. It it outranked the Avengers Assemble moment in in Avengers Endgame. How unbelievable! Which was second it place. Outranked, which even the Matrix one, I was like, yeah, that's a great choice. When freaking uh, that's like a, a heavily referenced scene where uh, what's his name Neo does that weird backflip thing where it's slow motion bullets over his head. He's like waving his arms somehow and dodging bullets. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm the Matrix," and he does the back. Yeah, he he like lies back. Yeah, I'm the, ma- <laughs> I'm the Matrix. Yeah. He says and and does that cool, mm-hmm. uh, you know, breakdancing move. And that somehow was worse than the Speed Force, which honestly the clip even shows, and I feel like wasn't even <laughs> wasn't even good. Mm. Oh man, <laughs> Twitter loves Zack Snyder. They do. I can't believe it wasn't. I thought it was going to be Zack Snyder's Justice League for sure, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. And I think the reason why is because that's not technically a 2021 movie, and that was proven by the fact that it didn't win. Yeah. And that's why Army of the Dead won. And then the dead. other notable thing, and this is why you don't give, you know, the people who who chose Bodie McBoatface <laughs> <laughs> the reins <laughs> to choose uh. the best movies. And that's the internet, guys. You don't give the internet the choice as to what the best movie Where moment the is internet, or what the Simon. best movie is. They chose a Johnny Depp movie, which I've never seen and I hadn't even heard of. <laughs> it's the second most popular movie of 2021 somehow. Pirates and of the Caribbean. I had to, no, it's Minamata. <laughs> did you see that? You saw that, right? You recognized it was Johnny Depp. Yeah, I did. But yeah, that, didn't that movie come out in 2020? No, no, maybe 2021. But yeah, it had I, to have been 2021 because yeah. it was in the in the running. And I think they were being technical about that because, again, they didn't include – I think Zack Snyder's Justice League would have won if they let it win. I think they just disqualified it. But Minute Matter, it, it has to be because of – The controversy. The Johnny Depp scandal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because – Yeah, it's like it just became like an internet like meme situation, it feels like. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Was this smart? 
This is what we kind of said would happen, but I don't know if we really guessed that they were going to just troll it this hard, but I, I guess it makes perfect sense. I'm just glad it wasn't that Cinderella movie that looks like fucking the worst shit ever. That was in the running. I know. I'm just glad it wasn't the winner. Yeah. It's very interesting, to be clear. And But did, were you not shocked? I texted you, by the way, mm-hmm. but after that moment with the flash. Whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't text me. Of course, yeah. Any texts I go to you anyway, because we have a safeguard in place. It's like a, it's like a, almost like spyware, but it's like a program that anything I text you, it automatically sends back to Jimmy, which is our sound technician. And he sends that text along to you because we cannot send a text to each other directly. And he has to reword it. Mm-hmm. He has to paraphrase to make sure that we can talk. Because of course, Adrian, we do not talk outside this podcast. No, never have, never will. Never have, never will. Yeah, this is getting elaborate. But anyway, yeah. So that's my uh, that's my two cents on the Oscars. Yeah. That's that's what I have to say about it. That's my three so, cents on the Oscars. Mine's more valuable, Simon. Oh wow, good for you. Yeah. Mine's two cents American. So oh no, that's like three dollars Canadian. That's bullshit. <laughs> Fuck yeah, sure. Anyways, I like the Oscars a lot. I was happy the Coda won. Troy Kotzer's speech was really good. Will Smith shouldn't have slapped a guy in the face, and he probably should have been removed from the event. And um, yeah, Dune kind of killed it. Yeah, that's that's my. Uh, that's my four cents. I'm still uh, confused how Denny Villadune wasn't nominated as best director. I will I will add that as well. Pretty weird. Yeah. Jane Campion deserved the win though for best director too, I think. Like honestly, I don't know. I, I wasn't on set, but like that movie, Power of the Dog, is really good yeah. as well. It's really good. I, I really did think it might win, but when Coda won, I was again, I was just like, what? That's so awesome. I don't know. It's just great to see a movie that's that uplifting mm-hmm. win. That's what i I love so much. Three for three for Coda. Three nominations, three wins. Good for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Adrian, you just got to see it now. I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm excited for you to see it. I, I don't get to see it for the first time again. You do. You get to see it for the first time. I'm excited for me to see it. Maybe I can slap you so hard that you'll forget. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to number two? Sure. Okay. But it's crazy because we technically already did number two, but we're moving on to number two. Stop making poo jokes, okay, Adrian? Come on. I actually wasn't. I didn't even think about that. But uh, I'm not that clever. All righty. Number two. As website IndieWire reports, director Ty West has secretly written and filmed a prequel to his recent A24 produced horror film, X. And he plans to be completely done the film by May 2022. The plot of X follows a group of individuals filming a porno on a farm in Texas during the 1970s, up until murder ensues against this unsuspecting group of filmmakers. X stars Cure for Wellness actor Mia Goth, Scream 5 actor Jenna Ortega, and Pitch Perfect actor Brittany Snow. The prequel to X is set to be called Pearl and was written by Ty West during a COVID quarantine. When Ty West proposed the idea for the prequel, A24 was more than happy to let him build out his X-Universe, and he'd even come to expect a potential trilogy from him. Once the production for X had wrapped up, West realized that he had all the elements in place to swiftly film his pre-written prequel. Considering he already had the cast of X and the Avatar 2 film crew working on his approved COVID-safe set, it simply made sense to film his two horror films back-to-back. The edit for the film is now officially completed, and he's looking to go out to Nashville in the next month to have the music scored for the production. The new movie is set to follow an old woman by the name of Pearl, who lives on the Texas farm in which the pornographic movie was being filmed during the events of X. Adrian, you watched X. I did. As you talked about last week and reviewed last week. I did. What do you make of this 
this secret news, this this reveal that he had filmed secretly a prequel and that this movie is pretty much done, basically. Like, we're almost at May now. Yeah, we are almost at May now. I love this. I love the idea of directors kind of making, like, secret movies. Whether it's, you know, like, a, a secret prequel, a secret sequel, a movie that you watch, and then all of a sudden it's revealed that it's, you know, like, setting up for something else. I, I love this sort of stuff. And again, me and you have talked about it at length, that movie Life, how much we wish that movie was actually like a secret prequel to Venom, but uh, alas, it was not because no. Sony did not have the foresight to do something that cool. They lacked imagination, Adrian. They lacked imagination. It's unfortunate. But I love this idea. And and Mia Goth or Maya Goth, I don't know. I'm curious how it's pronounced. Pretty sure it's Mia. Maya is... Well, I don't know. There's different spellings, different pronunciations, but Mia, Maya, I think it's most likely M-A-Y-A in most situations, I feel like, but I don't pronunciation, know. Pronunciation. The hit segment of our show, how the hell you say that? <laughs> it changes its name each time. You know, Adrian, I kind of feel bad about the whole Gotham situation with the spoiling aspect. Did we make a mistake? I don't. You don't? No. remark about his girlfriend, Mia Goth's mother. Mia Goth. After- You're right. What a weird way to show that. I know. I was on the how to pronounce Mia Goth, and then it was like this 10 seconds of nothing, and then it segues into some some talk show guy. You know why I feel bad about the Gotham thing? Because now when you're talking about X, now people are like, well, maybe he's going to spoil X2, or maybe he's going to spoil King Richard. No, well, in X2, the end of that movie, Gene Grey... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's good uh, i said the x universe and i'm like yeah. oh that's just ridiculous you uh, know what? okay that's another thing like do the people not know what the x-men universe is just to talk about ken's email because of the fact that it's not in the marvel cinematic universe like well, I, I don't know uh no 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 because the x-men universe still continued like the x-men universe just technically ended only a few years ago it did but it kind of was soft rebooted yeah i guess so but all those characters I don't know, stuck man. around or most of them i guess confused kinda i don't know anyways can people know what the fantastic four is fan fantastic because that hit movie fan fantastic yeah 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 but you know what i didn't do but after we read about the email and we rebuttaled it and we talked about it thanks ken thank you kenneth really honestly seriously thank you for I love you. Us. i appreciate appreciate you you write in every week and we really appreciate it it spurs our conversation uh we invite again anybody to write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com we will address your comments on the show but um, but anyway, yeah, Adrian, moving on to the X universe. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to spoil it because we do not spoil anything on this show. Uh-uh-uh. Except for what we just did with Gotham. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the only thing we've ever spoiled in the, in the 91 episodes. Mia Gotham. We barely spoiled it. Again, we didn't even spoil it. If it was in the trailers, we can we can say it here. That's the rule. Yeah, it's, it's a rule. Yeah, it's and rule. that's what happened. They were in the trailers. That's what we did. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry. My conscience is talking to me. Jiminy Cricket is on my shoulder. Yeah. Kicking me in the ear. Oh my goodness, that must be painful. Those little, those tiny little feet. <laughs> I hate feet. I have the opposite of a foot fetish. Um. Anyways, a foot fear. You're footophobic. Yeah, foot footophobic. Footophobia. Anyways, um, I digress. I digress, Simon. Like you digress often. Um. So, anyways, I love this as an idea. You digress far more than me. We all digress together. Anyways, just continue, Adrian. Come on. Anyways, uh, anyways, uh, I, I love this as an idea. I think what you can do in a prequel to that X movie, I think, is is pretty uh, 
I'm curious about it. And what's really awesome about it is that Mia Goth plays uh, two characters in that movie. Uh, one is, you know, the main character. I forget her name. Is that a spoiler? No. Okay. So that's well known. That's a well known thing for that movie. If you just look up the cast, you know this. They're two different characters. It's not like. I know, but you can look up the cast to the Batman and have something pretty big revealed for you. I guess. I don't know. I just think it's just the actor that just did an amazing job playing two characters. I don't know. It. It. I think it does nothing to do with the, the plot of the movie. Oh, okay. It's unrelated to the plot. Yeah. It, it is There's totally no connection. Unrelated. Oh, no. It's not like. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Oh, because I was reading that article from IndieWire and it mm-hmm. said that in there. And I, I knew you mentioned that the week before. So I'm like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't really worry about this as a spoiler. Yeah. But I was like, why are they mentioning this in this article? Is it is it a bit too much? But I guess it's no connection. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like it's almost like basically a Austin Powers situation. Very much so. This movie yeah. X is, I think, a secret sequel to Austin Powers. Actually, spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Very much so. But anyways, Mia Goth did such an amazing job playing both those characters. Um, so I, I think it's a brilliant move uh, for Ty West to do this prequel. Just bring her back because she's just playing one of the characters she played in the movie, and again, make another horror movie out of this. I'm curious what where the story will go, what timeline it will take place in exactly, and and kind of just what will happen with this. Um, and again, like I said, I just I love the idea of these like secret sequels and prequels and stuff like that. I think, you know, there's some big ones out there like uh, uh, like when they dropped like that Cloverfield movie on Netflix, as an example, like just like, oh, this was filmed, it was done, and they just fucking dropped it. I, I love shit like that. I think it's very exciting. Even like at the... Um, I mean, I guess this is kind of a spoiler, but I feel like it's common knowledge now. With the end of Split, how at the end of Split, it was revealed that it was actually a sequel to Unbreakable, and they did like that Glass movie. They like announced like, "Oh yeah, Glass, by the way, has been filming. Like that's coming out t- soon too." You know what I mean? Which is also Wait, by M- it's, M- it's M- not Shaman. a spoiler. We're not spoiling anything on Spoilfocus, a film and TV podcast. I know. I'm not had spoiling. that been a spoiler, I would have said no. You'd have been like, "Stop We're taking that out." I'm taking it out. I would have taken it out. Stop is what you would have said. Gotham is the only exception. Yeah. Okay. That one spoiler, which isn't a spoiler because it was in the trailer. You just yeah. said you thought it was a spoiler. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So stop doing that. Well, my, I don't, well, cause it was a surprise when the movie was released. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a surprise anymore. A surprise anymore. Well, obviously glass mm-hmm. came out and yeah, it's clearly true. has both the split dude, like James McAvoy. He's absolutely mm-hmm. unreal on that. Honestly, he could have been nominated for best actor for that. I role. agree. I agree completely. He was wild. Yeah. But again, I just, I love this idea of like, again, like secret movies and how they're like slightly connected and you don't really know it until you watch it. And, and, you know, in this case, again, just him making an entire prequel to a movie that just came out. And if it's going to be done in May, that means that we're probably going to get this movie by, let's say, I don't know, maybe even early next year. So we don't even have to wait that long. And again, I think, like I mentioned on my review last week, I really, really love that movie. And if you're a fan of horror in any way, any way at all, it is more than worth it to watch. It's awesome the way the tension builds throughout it and how it just kind of pops off in the you know latter half of the movie and just kind of these these amazing performances by everyone involved. I I really, really love that movie. It's very terrifying. And the more I thought about it, the more I like it. And again, if I can get more of this X universe, I'm fucking sold, dude. I'm sold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for this. And uh, again, Simon, I know you don't like horror, but you should give this a look. I don't give hate this- horror. I just yeah. don't love horror. Yeah. It's definitely not like 
I mean, it's, it's not like a super unique horror. It's it's unique in its own like kind of like cinematography and stuff. It kind of honestly reminds me of Midsummer. The, the more I was thinking about it, I was like the way like the these like long shots, you know, happen with like this, this slow creeping music building up. It's like almost like tenseness. This this level of uncomfortability that you you know kind of have that I think Midsummer especially just like absolutely mastered. Um, it's really great, and. You know, we talked, I think it was last week, we, we briefly talked about like how I always write my movies down on a list on just like my notes in my phone. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, there's this app that you should download called Letterboxd. I actually made a Letterboxd account. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't end up doing it. I should have. Uh, yeah, I actually made it. I what, what I'm doing is I'm just slowly going through the movies I've watched. Like I'm literally just going through the list and then I'm like, putting in the exact day I watched it and stuff like that. So I still have that like little diary portion that I know when I watched it. I'm just adding little reviews as I'm going. I haven't done all my movies. I've only done like a handful, but um, it's pretty cool. I, I like this letterboxed application and, and like you can just, it just like shows up on your feed, random people reviewing movies and stuff like that. So I don't know if you can like add friends or add people that you follow, but uh, I quite like it. I, I think this app is really neat and I'm pretty, I'm pretty into it. But uh, yeah, in my in my X review, I rated it four out of five stars. Wow! I feel like it should be four point five. I almost want to put it four point five. But I wrote, "Are you ready for this, Simon?" Yeah. The way suspense and tension builds throughout this movie is absolutely masterful, and when it pops off, you're in for a wild ride. That's my review. I'm gonna do little reviews like that. Yeah. Wow, pops off. That that explains why you said pops off moments ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my I also did a little review for the Batman. I wrote. This shit is tight as all hell. That's it? No, I added more to it, but I just I was like, that's a good line. It's a good way to start a review. Robert Pattinson does an amazing job as Batman while Jeffrey Wright comes in with the best Gordon we've ever seen on screen. The detective wow. angle is what sets Bat Reeves the Batman from the movies that have come before it. Gary Oldman's pretty great, though. He's phenomenal, but I just feel like the play between Jeffrey Wright and Robert Pattinson and and just like this version of Gordon that we're getting is just really great. I'm not saying that Gary Oldman's Gordon is bad. I think that's absolutely exceptional. Gary Oldman's one of the greatest actors of our generation, Simon, you've said before. Um, I haven't said that for many, many moons, many podcasts. I said it like twice, and you the second time I said it, you, you're like, you say that every day. <laughs> You literally post it on your wall. You write it with permanent marker on your wall every single day. You wake up, and that's the first thing you do. Yeah, that's all I do. Mm-hmm. I, I have a pretty crazy wall, let me tell you. Yeah. Just a white wall with black writing. Sometimes red. That's crazy. Just like the Riddler. Huh? Just like the Riddler in the hit movie The Batman that we were just talking about. You would probably use green writing. Oh, yeah, you're right. But hey, what do I know? Anyways. Okay, Adrian. That's exciting. Super exciting. It's exciting stuff. Indeed. Let's move on to number three. As followed by publication Deadline, Google's video-on-demand website YouTube has just added 4,000 TV series episodes and 1,500 movies for free, subsidized by advertisements, to their service in the United States. Traditionally, YouTube's main source of income since their inception has been ad revenue, which specifically garnered $8.6 billion for YouTube's recent fourth quarter alone. Some of these new added titles are actually from Disney, Warner Brothers, and Paramount's catalog of film and TV offerings, with Gone in 60 Seconds, Legally Blonde, and many episodes of Hell's Kitchen having been added to the service. Google plans to rotate in approximately 100 new titles every month, 
Adrian, what do you make of this? Well, Simon, what I make of this is that I know that this isn't here in Canada, right? This is only for the United States, as you as you declared there. Am I correct about that? Any plans that it, it like internationally? Did they say? I don't know what's happening internationally with that because it, 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 the articles that I read, including this deadline one, mentioned the U.S. specifically. But when you go on to the YouTube website, you can see that there are free movies on there. So I don't know if that was something we already had, but I couldn't find Hell's Kitchen. So I was like, I guess this is Love Hell's Kitchen. the titles for just the U.S. at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting. That's interesting. I'm not sure exactly. But uh, again, go on for yourself if you're a Canadian listening to this podcast, which I feel like a lot of our listeners are. You can go on YouTube's website and just look up. There's like a movies and TV section, and then you can actually just search for free stuff. There's also, of course, you can buy and rent movies. They've got Mm. that YouTube video on demand catalog there too. Video like paid uh, paid video on demand. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it looks cool. Uh, it's a neat idea. I hope we get the same idea, like same catalog. But even if you look at Netflix, our Netflix catalog, when it's not a Netflix original series, has always been different mm-hmm. uh, from between the Canada and the United States catalog. I feel like there's two different teams working on the uh, curation between those 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 kind of movie listing aspects. Like for a long time, people thought that somehow Netflix was a lot worse in Canada. I didn't actually believe that there was actually just different content for Canada and the US. But in the very beginning, certainly the US had a better catalog. And now I don't really think it matters, especially because the original content is the main reason reason Netflix even pulls me in at all. I barely Mm -hmm. even go there for the other stuff. Yeah, that's true. You know, the odd show here and there. But yeah, I don't know. I I, kind of like this as an idea, though. It's it's nice because it's just it's free. You know what I mean? There's no additional subscription required, nothing like that, and it's a large selection of movies. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> Stack TV. Oh, yeah, fuck Stack TV. Stack TV sucks. That actually pisses me off. You pay $10 and then you still get an ad. God damn it. Yeah. Stack TV sucks. Anyways. It's um, weird, though. I, I thought about it recently, and like when you paid for cable, you used to pay monthly for cable through Rogers or Bell or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you'd get ads anyway. Yeah, so it's kind of similar in that way, I guess. It's like it's trying to like bring the old way back to the new way, like into the new way kind of thing. Yeah, I don't want that though. Now, neither do I. That's exactly what's okay. Like that's so dumb. Like I don't want to. I don't want to cre- recreate cable, but through the internet. That's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to create like the recreate the ABC. Like, but I'm just subscribing to every channel separately. That's a la carte, but it, it's honestly not the greatest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that that would not be good. If they did that. So it's, it's not the greatest thing about the video on demand age that we're in is that at least we don't have to deal with ads. But then again, Disney Plus is creating an ad tier. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we don't really get a choice, but yeah. Quibby. Quibby. Gone too soon. Gone too soon. <laughs> Quick bites. Ka-chow, ka-chow. Quick bites. Ow, chow, chow, chow. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, I like this idea though, honestly, like the, the idea that all you need it really is just access to the internet and you still have access to literally thousands of episodes of television and like over a thousand movies again yeah there are ads but hey man it's free you can't really complain if you know maybe you're tight on a budget or something like that you can't afford like netflix blah 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 blah. you're you're living paycheck to paycheck like i imagine many americans are um i don't i don't think that there's really anything negative about this yeah google's making a shit ton of money with their ad revenue but at the very least, you know you're get some, you're getting something for a very low cost. That cost really just being your time having to watch advertisements. Um, 
And I don't know. I, I think this is a really good way to do it. And I kind of wish that Disney, instead of doing like an ad based tier that you have to pay for, they would just do like, actually, you have access to a, a lot of our catalog, but there are advertisements like everywhere, you know, every like five minutes or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think this is a way better way to do it. And I'm also curious that if you're like a YouTube premium subscriber, do you get access to all these series and movies um, without ads? That's also like a really interesting um, idea. I'm curious because I have YouTube Premium. I might look up one of those like free movies here on YouTube and see if it'll play any ads. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to guess not. I would say no. I'd say probably, yeah, if you're paying for the subscription, what do you pay? $10 a month? Yeah, something like that. Like I have the family plan with, um, yeah, YouTube Premium. I think it's like 18 bucks or some shit. It's like YouTube Music, YouTube Premium, and then like I think six users or something like that. So mm. it's a whole thing. But honestly, I feel like that does, never comes off my credit card. I'm curious. Or if it does, I never notice it on my statement. But I've had it for years. What, what doesn't come off your credit card? That $18 a month. Like I, I feel like I never notice YouTube charging me every single month. So you pay $18? I think so. I think it's 18 bucks. yeah. For what? For YouTube Premium and like you get YouTube Music and all that sort of stuff with it too. Sorry, I was a little distracted. I was just checking that I was trying to see if there's ads um, or what, 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 sorry, what's available right now on some of these uh, YouTube free movies and TV shows, but I couldn't find it. So I actually didn't, I actually did get, I just literally pulled up my credit card statement and I was like, oh yeah, there's a YouTube. That's expensive. Search, so. $18 is actually really a lot of money because you don't even use music anymore. You've been using Spotify. Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't pay for Spotify though. Yes, so? I mean, I guess you're right. But honestly, like for me, it's worth it because the amount of YouTube I watch is like a shit ton. Like, I is watch- that the only tier? I think so. I would never pay $18. Maybe maybe there's a tier where you can cut out. There's no way in heck. There's no way I would ever pay $18 just to remove ads per month. Well, you don't have Not to. Not per, per year, per month. No, you don't have to. Is that what you're saying? Per month? Yeah. Yeah, it's per month. That's the most outrageous. You are complaining about Netflix charging too much. What? What? Netflix is that's more almost more expensive than Netflix. I probably watch more YouTube than any other service though, realistically. Yeah, but I watch it for free. Yeah, but I don't want to watch advertisements. Yeah, I don't know. I, I if you could see my face right now, it's kind of shocked. I did I somehow didn't realize it was $18 cuz you also <laughs> don't use YouTube Music. You just haven't been using it. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, I stopped using it like a few months ago. There's got to be another tier, man. You got to look look at that. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I swear they are. I swear they advertised it for me for like, like six to ten dollars. Mm. I I could be wrong. I, maybe not. But if they showed me eighteen dollars, I would have shut my laptop in anger. Like what? You would have slammed your. You would have broken your laptop. No, I wouldn't have broken the laptop. You would have been like French fry this. Not anger, frustration. Frustration is a better word in this in this situation. Okay, Adrian. <laughs> I'm frustrated is what you would have said. Yeah, I, I, if I recall, what I was actually looking for while I was talking to you there on YouTube was I feel like I checked it earlier when I wrote this story and it said that Brooklyn, the movie with uh, Saoirse Ronan, was on there for free mm-hmm. in Canada, Uh-oh. which is like a 97% of Rotten Tomatoes and I think it was Oscar nominated in a few categories. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I looked at that and I was like, what? What is that for free? There's a bunch of, it's kind of confusing though because it's just a little tiny like word below the... Mm-hmm. Like below, it says buy rent, like in, in, in like a with a like a slash. It's like buy slash rent. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's kind of confusing. Some of like it will say free with ads, and then it will say buy rent, and it's kind of like not exactly categorized in a way that I love the UI. Like I feel like it could be definitely improved, but mm-hmm. 
it is what it is. Free is free. Pretty good deal. All is free and love and free. I remember that the the only time I've ever watched, I'm pretty sure the movie Tron mm-hmm. was on YouTube, but uh, it was in my housemate, actually my roommate in in university. Um, I like we lived in the same kind of room because it was like a it was residence, and he he literally turned on Tron. And like by like halfway, I'm like, where'd you get this? And he's like, it's just on YouTube. And some guy had uploaded Tron, the (laughs) Disney movie, to YouTube. Like it wasn't the free version. Like it was, it was just like Tron uploaded. I'm like, oh, okay. We're just stealing this. It wasn't the greatest quality, but it was okay. Don't you remember like there was like a bunch of those like YouTube, like channels on YouTube that were just streaming Rick and Morty 24 seven. Cause it was like, you couldn't get it in Canada. It was like so difficult to get like adult swim. So literally just a bunch of people would just post it on YouTube. And just like have like a 24 oh. hour stream just cycling through all the Rick and Morty episodes. That's such an like a stupid oversight. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just forget about a whole country and just, ah, it's okay. We don't want to, we don't want to give it to them. It's like you probably would make more money than you're going to spend to put it up. Maybe they've calculated that it wouldn't. I don't know. It's a weird situation. The strangest thing, just to, before we move on from this story about this whole thing, is that they're taking these movies from Disney, Warner Brothers, and Paramount which was noted in the Deadline article specifically, and I'm sure there's other um, movie producers as well that are involved. But I'm mentioning this because they have their own streaming services. HBO Max is obviously Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. You got Disney Plus and you got Paramount Plus. So why are they allowing this? Like why would they license these uh, titles out? Apparently it's not they're not necessarily exclusive in, for any of these movies though. So that's one of those things. It's like it's not like Harry Potter was exclusive to Peacock and then exclusive to HBO mm-hmm. Max and then exclusive to Peacock and they kept going back and forth like the Harry Potter uh, uh, octology. Um, it's weird. That's that's the only thing I thought was kind of strange because you'd think that Disney would be like, nah, no, I'm not allowing this. If you want to watch a Disney movie, you come to Disney Plus. We're trying to build our catalog. Mm. You're not going to go watch it for free on YouTube. So that's that's kind of the most puzzling part. I feel like of the whole situation is that yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. These guys are fighting tooth and nail. To try and be the best streaming service. And I guess they calculated that it doesn't really matter that YouTube airs some of their content for free. Mm. So they're like, ah, yeah, whatever. We'll take your money on YouTube. No problem. I don't know. It's interesting. It is. It is really so. By the way, uh, YouTube Premium, there are two tiers. There's YouTube Music Premium and then YouTube Premium, which is two extra dollars. So if you want to get YouTube Premium, you have to have YouTube Music Premium. You can't just get like YouTube Premium. So how much does that cost? It's the same price that I just told you, the, the 17 I just bucks. want to hear it again. I want you to say it. Sir. What would you, what'd you say? $17. $17. I can't believe that. I, I cannot literally believe it's $17. It something. is so much money. 18 bucks. Is that worth more than Disney Plus as a streaming service as a whole, in your opinion? <sighs> no, probably not. <laughs> but Like Netflix is now more expensive, but it wasn't long ago. It's true. I feel like it's not long, it's not long now before Netflix is... $28 a month. But anyway, I guess we'll see. We will. $30, 50 bucks. But okay, Adrian, now on to the montage. A sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one. As website Collider reports, the Netflix Penn Badgley starring thriller series, You. Me? Has begun production on season four. Me? What do you mean? Oh, that's, that, that's all you had to say. Okay. Number two. As reported by publication Variety, the Hunt actor, Betty Gilpin, has been cast in the Peacock TV series Mrs. Davis. Gilpin will play a nun fighting against AI in this new series from the leftover showrunner Damon Lindelof and young Sheldon screenwriter Tara Hernandez. 
<laughs> it's, it's just such an odd combination. All of this. A nun fighting against AI from the showrunner of The Leftovers, but with the screenwriter of Young Sheldon. It's just like, what? But honestly, anything Damon Lindelof's attached to, I'm sold. So Number three. As tech website The Verge reports, Netflix is working on an anime series adaptation for the fighting video game series Tekken, called Tekken Bloodline, which is planned for a streaming premiere later in 2022. I watched the trailer for this and it doesn't look too bad, but I have uh, little to no connection to Tekken. So. Number four, as reported by publication Deadline, HBO Max has renewed their Sex and the City renewal series, and just like that, for a second season. Interesting. I haven't watched any of that either of those number five as variety reports cheaper by the dozen actor gabrielle union has been cast in the octavia spencer starring apple tv plus true crime tv series truth be told which cheaper by the dozen the new one. Oh, okay number six according to deadline previous wednesday actor christina ritchie has been cast as a currently unannounced character in creator tim burton's adam's family netflix spin-off series wednesday X actor Jenna Ortega is set to play Wednesday in the new series. Oh, okay. That's cool that they're bringing her back. I wonder. I wonder who she will play. Number seven, as Variety reports, the Legendary Pictures sequel to blockbuster hit Godzilla vs. Kong is looking to start production in Australia by the end of 2022. So is this Godzilla vs. Kong 2 or is this just another Godzilla movie or another Kong movie? Hmm. Visible shrug. Number eight, actually invisible shrug, because I'm on a podcast. I was just about to say, I can't see you shrug, yeah. Yeah, anyway, number eight, as Deadline reports, Network, the CW, has renewed the TV series' Riverdale, Superman and Lois, Kung Fu, The Flash, Nancy Drew, All-American, and Walker for future seasons. Rumors are still brewing about TV conglomerate Next Star looking to purchase the CW from CBS and Warner Brothers. Interesting. Series is, is is such a weird word when you really think about it. Well, it's just series. Ziz. You wouldn't say the ziz. We just oh. did that. I just did that for the... For clarification. Because you do that. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, number nine. As Variety reports, the Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, and Martin Short starring comedy series Only Murders in the Building will see its second season premiere on the Hulu streaming service for June 28th, 2022. Mm, I can't wait. This show is brilliant. This show is fantastic. This show is great. Number 10, as reported by Variety, a live-action film adaptation of the 1980s animated series Voltron is being developed by Red Notice director Rawson Thurber Marshall. Oh, interesting. I have no attachment to Voltron. And that concludes the montage. Blah, that's most. Not some of the stories this week. Is it some, not most of the stories? What, are, what, are you, what would you say? That's some, not most of the stories. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure. Is that a reference to Kenneth's letter? It was. It was indeed. I'm bringing it back, baby. That's my... It's a pretty, pretty obscure... It's my classic shtick. It's my classic shtick where I bring things back and then I yell, I'm bringing it back, baby. Remember that? When I did that in the previous episodes? It's like I'm bringing that back. Yeah, like every episode? Like every episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast? It's my shtick, Simon. It's my shtick. You know what also is your shtick, Adrian? You telling me what you got for me. What What have you got for me, Adrian, uh, this week? What do you have? What do you got? I got new releases for you, Simon. Really? Yeah, and this was probably most of the movies, not some of the movies coming out this week. And this week is March 28th to April the 3rd. That's a Monday to a Sunday, as per usual. And then the first movie coming out this week, Simon, is coming out on Wednesday, March 30th. 
And that movie is called All Hail, which is a Netflix Spanish drama about a famous TV weatherman, weatherman who becomes public enemy number one. Mm. It's because he like fails to predict like a like a natural disaster or something like that. <laughs> Don't they have other weathermen? You'd hope so, but I guess he's the only weatherman in Spain. In all of Spanish. It, sorry, he he didn't live in Spain. I don't know. It just said it's a Spanish uh, drama. So I, I'm going to guess oh. Spain. Oh, you may not. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's a Spanish speaking drama or if it's a, like a Spanish drama from Spain. Mm. Okay, cool. Because other places, Good they research. speak Spanish. They speak Spanish in Mexico. Yeah. In Ecuador. Um, I don't know, but yeah. In um, some of the United States. Yeah, it's true, Adrian. Yeah, yeah great research you've done on this. Thanks, great, man. great work. Thanks, dude. Oh yeah, no worries. That was sarcasm. What's the next Anyways, movie the, coming up? Ah, it's Broken Idol: The Undoing of Diomedes Diaz. This is a Netflix original Colombian documentary about the rise of one of the country's biggest idols. Yeah, singers. Okay, singers, idols, same thing. I guess they speak Spanish in Colombia, don't they? Where's Colombian a language? Probably not. I don't know. I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to languages. I know. I know two of them. Um, I'm pretty sure they speak uh, speak Spanish or Portuguese. Nope. Who knows? They speak Spanish. Okay. Yeah, same with Ecuador as you. I knew it. I was so certain. As you said. Yeah. Trust no one is coming up next, and uh, trust no one is is uh, is the subheading, and then or the, the anyways. Trust no one. The hunt for the crypto king. This is a Netflix original um, documentary. About yeah. the young founder of a collapsing cryptocurrency exchange. Uh-oh. Who dies unexpectedly. Oh, no. And all these investors are like, there's more to this death, probably. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. The next movie that's coming out is coming out on Thursday, March 31st, Simon. And the first mm. one is Airbud Super Pup Zed. It's a Netflix original oh. New movies starring puppies in superhero costumes. Airbud, Simon. I made that reference at the beginning of the show. So you brought it forward, is what I you did. brought it forward. You didn't bring it back. Bring, bring it, it forward. forward. Jinx. That's a good one. I said that literally first, and then you said it second. How is that jinx? No, it's jinx. We said it at the same time. We didn't. And you can tell in the recording, because this is a recorded podcast. You just edited it however you want. That's what you do. I didn't. I, I did not. Agree to disagree. Moonshot is up next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider, and it's coming at HBO Max, Simon. This is a romantic comedy following some 20-something-year-old people. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Crazy. You think it's going to be good? No idea. Yeah, me neither. It's probably going to come to Crave, I'm guessing. I'm going to guess it's coming to Crave. It's got Cole Sprouse. Oh. You know Cole Sprouse? Yeah. He's got a, he's got a, a fake twin. Like they mm. duplicated him, and he's basically a twin of himself because it's like Parent Trap, like where Lindsay Lohan is not. I was just going to say, yeah. Like she's not Lindsay Lohan. Like there's no two Lindsay Lohans. Like there's no Lindsay and. Lindsay. Uh, Katinsey Lohan. Yeah. There's only one Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Just like in the in the episodes of uh, The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, where there's only one Sprouse, and his name is uh, Cole. Yeah. Cole is this one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's no other Sprouse. There's only one. And the other one is a, you know, body, body double. 
body double tricks are being used just like in parent trap Simon, i'm not wrong right just to be clear no you're totally 100 percent correct okay yeah yeah so this kind of just reminded me of I, I know this is totally random but it's kind of connected you know you remember that conspiracy theory that avril lavigne canadian singer avril lavigne yeah was replaced I don't really understand. Sorry, what happened? I know there was a conspiracy theory, but I, I try to, I, I you know, I block out the conspiracy theory sometimes. So what what was that? So what happened? She was replaced. So Avril Lavigne, she died back in two thousand three. Okay, that's the theory. She didn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. After like after her successful debut studio album, Let Go. Okay, and then she was replaced right. by a body double named Melissa Vendella. What? They even know the name? Yes. And so I'm reading this straight off of Wikipedia. I just Googled it because I was like, I forget exactly. So evidence used to support the theory include changes in Lavigne's, Levine's appearance between 2003 and the present, supposed subliminal messaging in her follow-up effort under my skin, and a photo shoot in which Levine has the name Melissa written on her hand. The origins of the theory can be traced back to the 2011 Brazilian blog, Avril Esta Morta, Avril is dead, which led to conversations on internet forums sharing supposed evidence of Levine's replacement. The theory gained more traction in May 2017 when uh, a Twitter user posted a thread recanting the theory. Levine herself has denied the theory on multiple occasions. Yeah. Hmm. I know that didn't necessarily have much to do with what we were talking about, but it just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, that didn't happen. Or it did. We don't know. And she just looks identical to Avril Levine. No, but she looks slightly different, Simon. That's the point. Oh, I see. And she wrote Melissa on her hand during a photo shoot, Simon. <laughs> Why? Why would you write your own name on your hand? Yeah, I don't know. That's the big question. Yeah, that that makes the most logical sense because somebody mm-hmm. she wrote a, she's like wrote her own, or she wrote her own name on the hand so she could launch a subliminal message so mm-hmm. that she could convince people that she's trapped or mm-hmm. like who or not? So is Melissa kidnapped? I don't know. It's a good question. Her family's being threatened. Yeah, all of those things could be real. Mm, yeah, of course. The rest of these movies, Simon, are coming out on Friday, April 1st. April Fool's Day, all right? Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you every single one of these movies, I'm going to say April Fool's after. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, first one is Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood. This is a Netflix original hybrid animated movie about the historic moon landing in 1969 from the perspective of of a young boy. This is from Richard, Richard Linklater, the filmmaker. Okay, yeah. April Fool's, Simon. Just kidding. It's not, that's a movie that's coming out though, right? It is, yeah. Or it's not because it's April Fool's. Everything on this list is possibly not coming out because it's April Fool's, okay? I don't think that's... Anyways, next up is the movie Captain Nova. This is a Netflix original Dutch sci-fi movie. Hmm. That's uh, apparently kind of like Lost in Space, the Netflix original series. That's apparently really good that I never watched. Yeah. Yeah. April Fool's, Simon. Just kidding. This movie is coming out. Or it's not. Who knows? I'm going to keep on doing this bit. Uh, no, nah, I'm not going to. I'm actually bored of it. Anyways, next up is Celeb 5 Behind the Curtain. This is a Netflix original fake VCR style comedy following the private discussions of comedians filled with skits, bits, and improv. Hmm. I don't know what a fake VCR style comedy is, but maybe that just like looks like it's old school. Who knows? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, next up is Forever Out of My League. This is a Netflix original Italian rom-com. Um, and then we got 
uh, arguably, I guess, the biggest release on Netflix, the one that's getting the most buzz. I actually haven't watched the trailer for this yet. The Bubble, which is the Netflix original um, comedy directed by Judd Apatow. And it's apparently about like these uh, actors and actresses that are stuck inside um, like a hotel because of the pandemic. And they're attempting to complete a sequel to like a movie about like flying dinosaurs or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Judd Apatow. I like most of his movies, honestly. But not all of them. I haven't watched all of them. I haven't watched all of them. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've watched some or most. <laughs> That's a weird way to say that. I like most of his movies because I've only seen some of them. Yeah. <laughs> People don't usually say it like that. Well, I, I like some of his movies or most of his movies, depending on how many of his movies I've watched. Have you? Do you like all of the movies that you've watched? I think so. Then why don't you just say it like that? Isn't that easier for the audience know. to understand what you're saying? I, I don't know, man. We can't. Most or some. We're not psychic. Most or some. <laughs> Most or some. Uh Anyways, uh, next up is Better Nate Than Never, Simon. It's confirmed by Movie Insider. It's coming to Disney+. Plus. It's a musical about a boy named Nate with his dreams of going to Broadway. Hmm. Yeah. Better Nate Than Never. What a good name for a movie. I feel like I said that before. I feel like I announced this movie before. I don't think so. No? You're having some deja vu, maybe. I feel like I did. I don't remember. Better Nate than never. Well, you can look up in the document. Mm. You can just search the document. But I don't think this is the time for that. Yeah, so. who cares? Uh, anyways, next up is a movie called Every Last Secret. This is oh. confirmed by Movie Insider. Sorry, that's a lie. It's confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com and the Apple TV application. This is a video on demand movie about a young girl that takes a liking to a war veteran that suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yeah. wow. And uh, the next movie coming out is The Nameless Days. It's confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie about a young Texas Ranger and a Mexican immigrant that sneak across the border to rescue his pregnant sister only to be pursued by a demon, Simon. Yikes. Uh-huh. Next up is The Contractor. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and The Trailer. This is coming to theaters. However, it's not on the Cineplex application, so I guess not coming to Canadian theaters. This is an action movie starring uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster. Wow. Uh-huh. And the next two movies coming out are You Won't Be Alone, which is confirmed by Cineplex itself about a young girl in the 19th century that is kidnapped and transformed into a witch. And then Simon, the final movie that we're going to go watch this week with our good pal Ken, Morbius. Oh, it's confirmed by Cineplex. And I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but the director straight up spoiled this entire fucking movie. What? Yeah, he literally just he he spoiled everything about this movie. I'm not even being facetious. How? Because he literally just told like all the cameos, pretty much the plot that happens, what they're setting up, the point of the movie. All of this shit. So I, I don't know if you want to look explain, it up. Explain explain to me how he did that. Like, don't tell me what he said, obviously. It was, uh, don't spoil things on Spill Focus, a film and TV podcast, unless it was cine- said in the trailer. Mm-hmm. It was, I, th- I want to say it was but, with Cinema Blend that he had an interview. Oh, with. okay. I think and, you're just saying he wrote it on Twitter, like as tweets. Oh, no. He was just like responding to all these questions. And he was like, yeah, this person's in it. This person's in it. This is what we're trying to do. This blah, 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 blah. Um, what? Did you read this? 
yeah, I, I saw it online. It just like it was literally on my thing, and like people were like, and you just kept looking at it like a car, like a car crash. You couldn't look away. Like you yeah. just kept reading it. It looks awful. The, the everything I read about this, I was like, I knew this was going to be bad. God damn it! I was just like, what are you guys doing? It's wild to me, because honestly, I feel like Sony has a propen- pr- propensity. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm not even gonna bother. You know what I'm trying to say to just spoil the sh- propensity. Propensity. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeez. Propensity. Prote- propensity. Propensity. There you go. Propen- propensity. It helped you. Sony has a. Pro- You're welcome. Thanks. You're a good friend. Sony has the propensity. Did I say that right? Propensity. Yeah. Okay. They have the. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you say the same word too much or you're trying to say the same word too much and then it loses all meaning. Anyways, they spoil the shit out of their movies a lot of the time in trailers and stuff like that. Again, like like I said for our Uncharted review, they literally spoiled that entire movie in their trailers. Like there was absolutely no surprises in that freaking movie. They they yeah, Sony- they had the after credit scene in the fucking trailer, man. I was like, what? I don't know what it is. That was so dumb. Even Spider-Man No Way Home, like they revealed too much, I still think. I know yeah. you don't necessarily agree, but I, I really do think so. And that's kind of a collaboration with Marvel too. So like mm-hmm. there was a problem there. Shang-Chi, if we're looking at Marvel, that's why, again, said this last week, that's why I didn't love the Miss Marvel trailer as well, is that they just didn't give enough for a TV show that's six hours in contrast to a movie that's two hours. Like, they're just consistently these, mm-hmm. I don't know what the, what it is. Like, why do you think you have to spoil the whole thing? Although the trailer from Morbius doesn't spoil anything. Yeah, it's just, oh God. Except for one thing, Michael Keaton's in it. Yeah. He, okay, so this is just before we watch this movie, next week we'll review it. I just want to point something out. And I'm a little confused. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is in the trailer, obvi- arguably as Falcon, right? Yes, Vulture, not Falcon. Falcon? Who's Falcon? That's uh, Anthony oh, Mackie. Oh, it's Anthony Mackie, sorry. Yeah, I was talking about Spider-Man universe. They look similar, so I don't blame you, but yeah, continue. Yeah, completely completely similar. <laughs> they're, they're doppelgangers. It's it's easy to confuse them, just like you would confuse Cole Sprouse for having a brother. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, But now I'm wondering if this actually happened. But in the Morbius trailer, is there a picture of Tom Holland where it says he's a murderer? I no, it's not Tom Holland. It's uh, Spider-Man. A picture of Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. But it's the, uh, I think it's the Tobey Maguire suit. I'm pretty sure it's the Tobey Maguire suit. Right. That's in the trailer though, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Tobey Maguire suit. Even weirder. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Spider-Man is in that universe, right? A Spider-Man is. We don't know which one. But Michael Keaton is in that universe. So. But Venom is referenced in that universe. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Venom is not in Tom Holland's universe. No. Right. So that is either a plot hole no. or is going to be something pretty big that happens. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let me just say, I know the answer to that question because the director spoiled it all online. Why did you read the spoilers? Are you like some kind of amateur? We do a podcast. You spoiled the movie. Why? You're, you know you're going to go see it. I just don't care enough. I, I well, you're not- gonna go see it. You're gonna spend money to go to see the movie. Yeah, it looks like shit. This is a, I'm I'm just as like shocked. I have the same shocked face when you <laughs> as when you just told me that you spend eighteen dollars a month on YouTube Premium. I do, Simon. That's the face I have right now. You disappoint me. It's a dumb looking fucking face. 
You don't even know what that is. <laughs> We're not in the same room. So you have no idea what I look like right now. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the answer. That sucks. We can't even speculate. Like, dude, you know, do you know we run a podcast, right? Yeah, speculate away. And I'm going to go, oh, or oh. That's useless. Do you want me to just have a podcast on my own? I yeah. can just re- pre-record you saying, oh, oh. <laughs> the noises I'll make. <laughs> it's it's some. Good, uh, crusty, crusty the Clown impression from uh, The Simpsons. It's, it's some, not most of the noises I'm going to make. Okay. All right. I think we should wrap this guy up. Yeah, Simon. We should. This podcast is done. I was going to speculate, but you just completely ruined it. So we're just going to move on. Well, did you want me to lie to you? <sighs> No, I don't want you to lie, uh, lie to me. It's just a fucking train wreck. I just didn't know you spoiled that aspect because that's the coolest part of the movie. That's why I'm excited about it. It's the only reason I'm excited. Oh, you will be. Or you won't be. That's not true. I, that's not the only reason I'm excited. I'm also excited because Jared Leto, I, I feel like any anything that Jared Leto is in, he brings his A game. He brings his absolute A game. Say what you want about Jared Leto's method acting and the way he freaks people out on set. But he... Does not go half-assed. He tries his hardest. He was drinking blood. He was drinking blood on the set of Morbius, I heard. Honestly, maybe. That guy's a fucking psychopath. I know you're joking, but honestly. (laughs) That guy's a fucking psychopath, Simon. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I hope he didn't kill anyone in that movie. He might be a nice guy. If he killed someone in the movie, I don't know if he needed to kill someone to to be able to do the role. I hope he's a nice guy, honestly. No, you know what I'm saying? Did he have to kill? Like, imagine Jared Leto was a, playing a serial killer. Wait, he did do that, actually. Yeah, didn't he? Are there bodies somewhere? He played a serial killer in that movie with um, Denzel Washington. Was it Denzel Washington? I don't remember. You know what I'm talking about? There was like the one that came out uh, early last year on HBO Max. That one. Yeah, like it was a. Yes, it was a like a, a short. It wasn't on HBO Max for long because it was like the thirty day yeah. HBO Max. It was the day and date releases in theaters. Yeah, I forget what that movie was called. Um, I think it was. Am I wrong about who else was in that with him though? Jared Leto, Denzel Washington movie. Was it Denzel? The Little Things. It was. Yeah, it was Denzel. Yeah. The Little Things. It was Denzel. Denzel and Remy Malek. Denzel. What are you talking about? Denzel. This is like a crazy kind of month for. Jared Leto, because he's in We Crashed, the TV series on Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. about WeWork, and he looks pretty committed again in that role too. So yeah, he, he crashed eighteen cars with people in it to prep for that. No, no, it's not about that. It's about WeWork uh, movie. I just told you what it's about. No, they don't literally crash. Sixty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What is Morbius? We crashed. Yeah, it's not super well regarded, but sixty-seven percent is not bad. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Rami Rami Malik. You just said that, didn't you? Rami Malik. Yeah. Did you say Rami Malik was in that movie? I did say Rami Malik. Yeah, I did. Okay, just checking. Just checking because I completely missed that while I was looking it up on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Adrian, we gotta we gotta close this off. I close. feel like you're too tired. You're not even you're not even rebuttaling. You're not even saying anything to me now. So let's just end it. I'm all hungry. Let's end it. Adrian, do you have anything to say to our audience before we wrap this guy up? Before we wrap episode 91 up? Yes, Simon. You can all you listeners, you know where to find us already, but you know where you can rate us? You can rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm pretty sure I think those are the only two services you can rate us on. So do it up. Do it up. Rate us. Listen to us. Tell your friends if you care. Um uh, uh, we'll be back next week. We definitely watched the Oscars this week. Yeah. And yeah, um, we definitely did. We did. They were great or they were bad. Or they were middling. Rewind. Rewind the tape. Rewind mm-hmm. the tape, audience. If you want to know um, 
Rewind most, but not some of the tape. Or some of the tape, not most of it. I don't, I don't most, know. but not some of the tape. Yeah. No, no, some, but some, not most of the tape. But not most. Yeah. Yeah. Some, because it's about midway through the episode 91. Like a lump sum. Yeah. Sorry, is that it? Is that all you had to say? Yeah, that, that's all I have. Ah, I'm plugging my headphones. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Thank you for listening to the 91st episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter. Signing off. It is I, Adrian Pinter, and I am signing off. And let me tell you that Batman didn't kill most of the people that he fucked up in Batman v Superman. Just some of the people. By accident. And it was never intentional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was never intentional. Yeah. And uh, Batman v Superman, that's a great movie. Uh, uh, an awesome movie. And so is uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, Village Town. I like that movie quite a bit, actually. Might be my favorite movie of last year. Who knows? Anyways, that's it. That's all. Take care. Goodbye. Sleep tight. Take care. Would you say that you relate to the characters in Resident Evil? I do. I relate to uh, 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 some, but not yeah, some, yeah, some, but not all. Most of those characters. Yeah, some, but not most. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, most, but some of them. Great. Also, a bad movie. Goodbye. How dare you!